0: Welcome to 2022, ladies and gentlemen. It is the first podcast of 2022 for Coast to Coast Suits with myself, Greg Eames Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN Family Podcast, and it is great to be joining you this brand new year, and in the final segment of the show, we're going to try to make you guys some money to start out the year. Picks and analysis on every single game on the betting board for this January 1st, as we hit some bank shots along the way. We're going to be taking a look at what we wound up seeing in the final day of 2021 in the first segment, and then in the second segment, going to be joined by Clint Domeg. Does a great job hosting the show under the dome for 1037, the game that is out there in Lafayette, Louisiana. We're going to be talking a lot about the sunbelt games that we've got for today. Also, going to be taking a look at the SEC and how LSU has become the number one team in all of college basketball with regards to defensive efficiency. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what I have you for this podcast, you've got one or two ways we will fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at yours one Keep in mind, LetterZM, they mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other ways. Find an Apple Podcast review. If you're this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire whatever you. Like to hear on this podcast five that five star review. Really didn't get in any questions. I know that a lot of people were dialed into the college foosball playoffs yesterday. So let's take a look back at the very small card that we wound up seeing on the last day of the Calendar year 2021. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these. Seems a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. A trend that we are certainly seeing is a lot of canceled slash postponed games. That's about half the card cardinals King postponed. But yet another non-cover for Brian Sacred Heart. They don't win the game, but they're able to cover 85 to 82 the final for Brian. It's been a rough three-point shooting season for them. They could go just eight of 26 in this game and 15 and 24 at the free throw. And meanwhile, Sacred Heart went 10 of 11. That was the difference in this cover and for. Sacred Heart, Aaron Clark, 21 points so he's able to come up big with that aspect and for O'Brien, they did have Peter Kiss go off for 33 points. Four Seals went 4 of 10 from 3 point range. Problem was the rest of the team was relatively inefficient around him, which is why they were unable to get the cover. Merrimack went from a 2.5 point favorite to a 4.5 point favorite and they still covered the line against LIU Long Island. The lines of losing by kind of 82 to 77. Really the most up-tempo game we've seen from Merrimack all season long as they shot 62.5% from the floor and 17 of 26 from 3 to say this was a little bit of an outlier as all five Merrimack starters wound up being able to put up 10 plus points in this one. Meanwhile for Long Island, they won the rebound battle by a count of 24-18. Not a lot of rebounds but you wind up having not a lot of missed shots and Earl Penn and Ty Flowers. They do wind up combining for 24 points, but Merrimack just went lights out from three. Long Island has been a very poopy team with regards to their defense, and that continued. Charleston, the number one team with regards to possessions per game, wound up playing a very rare under against Selware. Selware goes on the road and wins outright by a count of 67-66 to 66 as about a a three to three and a half point underdog for Charleston. They did wind up getting John Meeks back in the fold. He came in off the bench, had seventeen points, five rebounds in this game, but for Charleston, just six of twenty-one from three-point range. Meanwhile, Delaware, they went nine of twenty-four. And Delaware is a team that I picked prior to the season as the number one team out there in the Colonial. we have a couple second guesses with what Hofstra is doing, but Ryan Allen came off the bench for 14 points to Jameer Nelson Jr. 22 points, 9 of 17 from the floor as Delaware. They do wind up losing the rebound battle by kind of 35 to 28 but forced Charleston into 18 turnovers to be able to get the job done here. William and Mary entered into the week as the Kempalm 340th ranked team in all of college basketball. They have now pulled off back-to-back wins against Northeastern and Hofstra. Northeastern Blows a 14 point lead. So if you, like me, want to blame the points, that was brutal. 71 to 70. William and Mary, the tag team winds up getting the win as William and Mary wins this game despite going. 3 of 19 from 3 point range, but what was big is that Northeastern had 20 turnovers in this game. We have seen so many meltdowns from Northeastern, so this is nothing new here. Meanwhile, Uri Covington came in off the bench, shot 6 of 6 at the free throw line in Northeastern. They were actually leading by 2 with a free throw left with 4 seconds left to go. They managed to foul William and Mary twice in the process, so he wound up seeing a big giant calamity there. We also saw the first official win for Fairleigh Dickinson. Fairleigh Dickinson wound up getting a forfeited result a few days ago, but Against Saint Francis of Pennsylvania, they were able to get it done by kind of seventy to sixty-two. For Fairleigh Dickinson, they go eight of twenty-two from three-point range. And for Saint Francis, they started five of twenty-five from the floor. They fell and they could not get up. Saint Francis of Pennsylvania only covering about thirty-three percent of their game, so that has been brutal. Central Connecticut State is going to be pulling a back-to-back. Final game I'm going to be breaking down on this podcast is Central Connecticut State against Rutgers, but they wind up using a twenty-two to nothing run at the end of regulation to take down Saint Francis of Brooklyn by kind of sixty-seven to. 55 Pat Sellers has his team a humming though. Tedrick Wilcox Jr. out of nowhere wound up having 27 points in this game. Guys right now shooting like 54% from 3 point range for St. Francis but problem is nobody else is really stepping up for this team. Central Connecticut State won the rebound battle by a count of 32 to 23 and for Central Connecticut State even without Nigel Scantleberry their main facilitator out there on the floor they did a good job turning the ball over just 12 times in this game. If you like me wound up taking the points with a high point. Well it was a low point Kentucky, 92-48 to 48 winners and for Kentucky, they go 10-26 from 3-point range with Kellen Grady going 7-10 from distance. He's shooting like 50% from 3-point range. Just 8 rebounds for Oscar Shebae, but I mean, he was exiting the game with the team very much with this game and in hand in for high point. They go 8-23 from 3-point range, but 16 turnovers in this game. They couldn't hit anything from 2-point range, so that wound up them as they only went 2-4 at the free-fly in Kentucky. We're going to be talking about it a little bit more with Clint Domek looking very, very solid. Niagara they wind up losing on the road against Quinn Quinnipiac in a game that saw a flip of favorites. Tiger was the underdog, closed as a favorite, and, well, closing line value didn't mean anything. It's Quinnipiac, 77-68. They wind up being able to get the job done, so it was a very late day of college basketball to wrap up the season. Now let's look to 2022, and let's have a great chat with our good friend Clint Domeg out there in the great state of Louisiana. Going to be talking some Sun Belt action for today. Going to be talking about the SEC as well and how teams are handling these cancellations slash postponements. We're going to be talking about that next with Quinn, right here on Coast, Coast Suits with myself, Greg Spears, and now part of the Family Podcast.
1: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March twentieth at seven PM Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Twenty twenty-five QX80 coming this summer.
0: This show slash podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp, and over at BetterHelp. They're helping you try to be able to ease up on your life a little bit more because I'm sure that you, much like myself, wish you had a little bit more time on your hands, whether that be to pursue a hobby. I myself could use a little bit of sleep as I've been handicapping about like 300 games a week and you're not able to get a lot of sleep when you're working that much, so hopefully you appreciate it on this podcast. But that said, therapy can be exactly what you need to be able to get a little bit more time on your hands to pursue exactly what you love and if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Learn what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com coast today. That's C-O-A-S-T to be able to get 10% off through your first month. That is betterhelp.com slash coast.
3: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, you to That's my <laughs>
0: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for Coast, Coast with myself, Greg e. and now a part of the Beesman Family of Podcasts. And in terms of recording, this is the last interview I'll be recording in the calendar year 2021. This will be the first one that airs for the calendar year of 2022. As ringing in the new year with me is Clint Domek. He does a terrific job over there with 103.7, the game that is out there in Lafayette, Louisiana. That is from Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon Central Time. Guy does a terrific job just being able to follow the... Sports landscape of the SEC in general does a great job with the SEC conference. The Sun Belt list goes on and on. Guy is really dialed in. And to be able to follow him on Twitter, that is that his name, Clint Domeg, and I will spell out that last name for you, D-O-M-I-N-G-U-E. And Clint, great to have you aboard. Happy New Year, and thank you so much for joining me.
3: Happy New Year, Greg. Great to be the first guest of the 2022 calendar year for your podcast. It's always great to come on the podcast, number one, but number two, It's great to be known as the first interview of 2022.
0: It is going to be absolutely terrific. And when it comes to the calendar year of 2022, I think it's going to be really interesting to see what we wind up getting from college basketball. Because as we know, there have been a lot of postponements and cancellations. And I just feel like there have been a lot of teams that haven't necessarily been themselves in recent weeks because they have been sort of stopping and starting. We all remember this. From last year, I know that you're very dialed in with regards to a team that is going to be without their coach on Saturday in Louisiana. They're going to be without Bob Marlin. And I think that those are things that really need to be taken into account because even when you do wind up having most of your main pieces out there in Louisiana, as you know, they're probably going to be dealing with Greg Williams being off the floor along Duguay, so that winds up hurting them a little bit. But even if you have your full allotment of players just dealing with all of this, dealing with these stopping and starting, even if it's not of their own volition, if it's not of their own fault, it just causes a little bit of disjointedness when it comes to these programs.
3: No, it's definitely very disjointed when it comes right down to it and how things are changing with the world of COVID. And, you know, I know we'll probably get to that in a moment, but when it comes to the Cajuns, how they are without Bob Marlin, interestingly enough, they actually wound up rolling to a 71-55 win the other night over App State, the reigning defending Sunbelt Conference champs, which on paper, that was a fantastic win with the fact that you wound up going in without a lot of your key players on this team. Theo Kuba, who came back from his injury, put up a double-double, 13 points and 11 boards. But you had to have other guys as well step their game up. Jordan Brown, the sophomore, a lot of these other young pups kind of step up in the interim, other guys being MIA. But when you just look at the way App State's been and how that series has been, just history tells you that nine times out of ten the Cajuns are beating that App State team. Yes, they won the Belt Conference Championship last year, but I feel like there may have been a little bit of a fluke when you talk about the history of this program over in Boone, North Carolina, the real test is going to be this afternoon at the time of this is going to make air is going to be the Coastal Carolina contest. That's going to be something we need to keep an eye on is how this all affects other teams, especially now, because when you talk about the Sunbelt Conference, they put out a release today actually talking about the isolation protocols. And it's going to be following more along the lines of the CDC, where if you test positive, You'll have to isolate for five days. And if you're vaccinated and everything, and you have your booster, all that stuff, you can then come back after five days as long as your symptoms have been, as they put it, resolved. And they can be back at practice as soon as a week after. This winds up making things a little bit easier. And you don't have to worry about nearly as many cancellations. Now that we're learning more about COVID-19, we're learning more about how the disease has kind of changed, especially with the Omicron variant. There's a lot of conversations about how we're going to get to the finish line. Because, again, we're in January. We're almost in, we are almost. in January. Excuse me. We're taping this on <laughs> New Year's Eve, so I'm kind of throwing off. But my dates and years, I'm sure a lot of people will be as well if they're writing checks on January 1. They might be writing January 1, 2021. That's a different conversation. <laughs> so there's some stuff going down where it's going to make things a little bit more interesting to see how we can get to the finish line and how much that minimum number of players winds up changing. Because, again, all it takes is one and practically half the team could get it. But at the same time, you're not missing out on nearly as many games, especially when it comes to key conference matchups. That's where we're at now that the calendar slipped over to 2022.
0: Yeah, it certainly has been interesting to take a look at all this, as we do have Clint Domek joining me on the podcast. And I know that another team that you follow very closely is LSU and I just think that it's really intriguing to take a look at this team in general. They have been relatively unaffected by COVID-19, which is very nice to see. They aren't going to be in action until Tuesday. They did wind up taking their first loss of the season a few days ago. That was a game in which they just couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat against Auburn. But what I find to be very intriguing, LSU in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis. They're currently number one in all of college basketball. Will Wade has been able to do a good job of getting LSU to play up-tempo ever since he wound up taking over this program. He's been able to do a good job of being able to get the team to be able to put points upon the board. How surprising has this LSU defense been this year? Because, I mean, if you were to tell me that LSU was a relatively efficient offense, I would not have been surprised coming into the season. If you would have told me that the offense would struggle a little bit, but the defense would be what it is, I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me.
3: Oh no, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing that's helped this team kind of get through a lot of the growing pains of this season. Cause obviously you've had a lot of guys leave during that offseason and you had to kind of make shift a team that was going to get you to the finish line, and get you to a NCAA tournament bid. But obviously, what happened when they took on Auburn, that spoke to the fact that this team just isn't necessarily ready for that prime time big game, big name matchup. Yes, they played extremely well, especially in the non conference slate. They had a couple road trips, a big game against Penn State that they won in overtime, and you beat a team like Wake Forest. Those are impressive wins, but it's a different story, especially once you get into the SEC and you open it up right out the gates with a banger against an Auburn team that you've had a hard time against, especially in Alabama. Beating them in the past. At home, but when you go to Auburn Arena, you play Bruce Pearl, that is going to be an extremely tough ball game. And when you start off the game very poor shooting wise, it's going to be a long day. Yes, they kind of wound up rallying and were only down by six with about six minutes left in the ball game, which is exactly where Will Wade wants to be. They just weren't able to finish the job. I think things could very well be turning around, especially when they get to Tuesday night, a night that's going to be overshadowed. By LSU it on Kansas State in the Texas Bowl by some, which is a little bit disappointing because that Tuesday night matchup, that is going to be the night they honor Dale Brown with the Dale Brown Court when they take on the Kentucky Wildcats, who honestly aren't a team that looks like that kind of blue blood we've seen in years past. So I'm interested to see how that matchup is going to be on Tuesday because that'll really tell us what kind of LSU team we're getting down the stretch because, again, this is an SEC that is going to be extremely tough. Teams like Arkansas and Alabama are still going to be contenders. Obviously, you've got teams like Kentucky. You've got Tennessee could very well be a team to keep an eye on. There's a lot more depth in the SEC in terms of basketball, and that's not often you say that. This is going to be a game you keep tabs on to see how the rest of the season plays out. How they play then, it's going to tell you a lot.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad that you bring up that Kentucky game because one of the very few teams that we wound up seeing on New Year's Eve, I'm taking the court, is Kentucky, and I'm fully convinced that this is a not just top 10 team, but perhaps a Final Four contending team. When it comes to Kentucky, them being ranked 18th coming into this week in the poll, I felt like was underrating them. And Oscar Sheba, in my opinion, is a contender for the Wooden Award, for the Player of the Year Naismith Award. He has been absolutely tremendous. We saw him out-rebound Western Kentucky all by himself about a week and a half ago with 14 points and 28 rebounds. He had a whole hum eight rebounds in that game. Against high point, was limited a little bit with regards to his minutes because the game became a blow. But I think a look this Kentucky team, and I think that this is a team that is certainly going to be wrecking shop out there in the sec and i'm very curious to see how LSU, a team that has been able to do a great job with their defense been able to do a good job on the front line winds up matching up with a guy like oscar sheboy just because i take a look at dominant players in all of college basketball i don't know if there's anyone dominating his position much like oscar sheboy is for kentucky
3: oh exactly and you know when you talk about kentucky i mean they just came off of a really big win on Wednesday night. Then like you mentioned earlier with the win over high point, which definitely sounds like a Bishop Sycamore type team (laughs) in their schedule. Just like high point just doesn't sound like a college team, but it was a game that was good enough to kind of get them in the right mindset. Cause obviously they're going to be going up in the polls. Thanks to LSU losing that contest earlier in the week. LSU currently ranked 16th and Kentucky currently ranked 18th. This that's again, this is a huge game on Tuesday night for a lot of different reasons. He's in the past, when LSU plays Kentucky in a big game, it feels like nine times out of ten, you are seeing a LSU team that plays up to the competition. Now, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out going forward.
0: I agree with you. I do think that Kentucky going to be in for a solid season. But with that said, that LSU versus Kentucky game going to be very high level as we do have Clint Tobank joining me on the podcast. And, Clint, when it comes to the SEC, we don't have any games on Saturday out there. But we do have the Sun Belt that's going down one of your big wheels conferences. Obviously, we've talked quite a bit about Louisiana already. But when it comes to the team that wound up losing to Louisiana and Appalachian say. I've really soured on them. They're going to be playing against a Louisiana Monroe team that in years past says, we're going to call it what it is. Not been very good, but I actually think that Louisiana Monroe is starting to turn things around a little bit. They had a nice road win against Stephen F. Austin earlier this month. And for Appalachian State, after they made the NCAA tournament last year, I felt like that run was built on a little bit of sand, but them not having Justin Forrest in that game against Louisiana clearly hurt. And I don't know if they're going to be able to cover a line of about five to five and a half right now against Monroe, a team that has actually been able to do a good job of being able to fortify their backcourt.
3: Oh, no. UL Monroe's gotten a little bit better as the seasons progress. I think this is a team that absolutely has a chance to get a win. And like you said, App State, they had their resume built in a little bit of sand, but at the same time, it was just the hot team, the right team at the right time, won the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. They got the automatic bid. That's the nature of the beast in the current landscape we're in right here right now because obviously we add in programs like marshall old dominion james madison not too far down the road there could be a conversation of the sunbelt conference maybe getting multiple bids in down the road it, obviously it'll be more of a conversation that happens in the not too distant future but you look at UL monroe they did lose to a uh, coastal carolina recently 94 64 lost by 32 them so i'm not necessarily sure that they can they can probably win this one but it's going to be a very competitive ball game and you need to see the Warhawks look good and try and split this very tough East Coast type of thing where they have to go travel all the way to the coast and if they come away with a win against App State, that is going to be good momentum for them heading into early January and hopefully they can carry that over because I think this team has potential. That's the big word there for you, Monroe.
0: Yep, I agree with you. I do think that Louisiana Monroe has a shot to be able to make some noise out there in the Sun Belt. A Sun Belt conference, I think, is going to be very intriguing because, let's call it what it is, we've seen quite a few teams out there in this conference wind up underachieving, and if you're looking at the top records, that would actually belong to South Alabama and Troy overall at 10-4. And, and when it comes to Troy, they're going to be in an interesting matchup as well when it comes to the first of the year as they are going to be trying to do battle against UT Arlington, an Arlington team that is going to be at home. But when it comes to Troy, I don't know about you. I can't necessarily buy into them. But at the same time, I have immense amount of respect for Scott Cross. And this is going to be a big rivalry game because as we remember, UT Arlington a few years ago, they let go of Scott Cross after he was having a lot of success there. He's been trying to turn around this Troy program. This has been their best year under him. So I think that this Troy versus UT Arlington game No doubt one that is very much under the radar, but I think it's going to be intriguing and a lot of fun.
3: Oh, no, it's going to be a low-key big ball game. Troy, of course, 1-0 in conference play. They open up with a win last night over Texas State. Definitely a fun one, but you got to remember, they also beat Mercer right before conference slate started. So right now, they look like a team that could beat up UT Arlington. And like you said, there's obviously some bad blood there because Scott Cross got let go, and now he's had a Sunbelt West rival. This could be a really fun ball game. Hopefully it doesn't get too, too salty, but I think I would love to have a front row seat for that game. I'll say that much.
0: Yep. I agree with you. I think that that's going to be a fun one. And then when it comes to just what we're going to be seeing on Saturday, is there anything else that's really catching your eye? Because we've obviously hit quite a bit on the Sunbelt, but I do feel like even though we've got quite a few postponed games, we are going to have a relatively solid slate to open up the new year. Is there a game or two that is really piquing your interest?
3: There's a lot of games that can definitely kind of stand out to me. I think one in particular, just in the line in general, I'm kind of glancing at it, three and a half point spread between Georgia Southern and Arkansas State, two teams that have been kind of the middle of the road, middle of the pack, but I'm intrigued to see how they build, because obviously year to year, these teams could very well kind of change and fluctuate. I think this will be one of those. I'm interested to see how it works because, again, it's an east-west matchup, and currently Arkansas State's a a three-and-a-half point favorite at the time of this taping. So that's one I'm absolutely intrigued in, of course. I think everybody's eyes are going to be focused on. I mean, Right now, I've got in the background, I've got the college football playoff semifinal, Georgia-Michigan, which is very much becoming a blowout at this point. But you know that that's something that everybody's going to be Kind of paying attention to and seeing what the rest of the bowl season does. So this weekend feels like it's pretty darn light. Obviously, I'll be focusing in on the Cajuns matchup. Tip off at two o'clock. I'll definitely be keeping my eyes peeled on that one because I think if the Cajuns can start off two and zero and win two big games over in North Carolina and Boone, and then make the win over Coastal Carolina, that's gonna be a big thing, especially once they get. Bob Marlon back starting off 2-0. You brought up Bob Marlin earlier. It's not just him. You want to being shorthanded with a lot of other players out. And I think that speaks to this team's resiliency and grittiness, but also it speaks to what the Cajuns have dealt with for years. We look at a lot of other guys like Kobe Julian, guys that have had so much potential. They either got injured or something happened to them to where they had to miss a lot of games, and this team had to kind of pick up the pieces. This is absolutely the right opportunity for a Cajuns team to. Start off conference 2-0, get a lot of other guys healthy, and they could make a run. Keyword is could. Now, what happens once Bob Marlin comes back is a different conversation. I want to see what this team can do, and that could very well tell me what the rest of the season is going to look like. And we mentioned a while back before the season started. This is going to be a massive year for one Bob Marlin and how his future is. Because in my heart of hearts, unless you make the championship game, I would not be surprised. I would not be surprised if he's let go. I'm not saying he will be. I would just be surprised if he's not. If he does a really good regular season, but, f- but fumbles in the tournament, it doesn't really matter. I think this team has had so much potential to win the Sunbelt Tournament and get into the NCAA Tournament. It's been here a decade, a decade since they made it to the tournament back in 2014 when they had Alfred Payton there. This is going to be a team that wants to kind of get back into, I don't know, Bob Marle wants to get back into the NCAA tournament in 2022 because, again, this is a year where I think it's put up or shut up time for him.
0: Yep, I think that it is going to be so intriguing to see what happens with Lafayette both on Saturday and moving forward and moving forward. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what happens on Under the Dome as well because you always provide terrific content clint i know you do a great job when it comes to college basketball but on top of that i know that football very topical out there in your part of the country now the saints it's been an up and down year but they still have a chance to be able to make the playoffs so i know that you're going to be dialed into that i know that you're going to be dialed into what we wind up seeing from lsu the rest of the season as well so let the good people know they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that you've got going on in general
3: oh you know we got, got a lot of things going on right now a lot of irons in the fire you're brought up under the dome with cd that's going to be back in action after a week off. Obviously, we had got Christmas, so I'm looking forward to that. 10 a.m. to noon Central Time on 103.7 The Game, 1037 game.com. and wherever you get your favorite podcast from. If you've missed anything, it's up there. Just search Under the Dome with CD. You'll get to that. And I think also, you know, another thing that I do for those that are pro wrestling fans, the Cajun Strong Style Podcast has been on a bit of a hiatus, but it is coming back starting this Monday. I finally managed to set up a little home studio action, so we got that going on. We got that going for us, which is nice, heading into 2022. But that's about all I got, Greg. I know you out there, you've got tons of different side hustles, a lot of fingers and a lot of pies, and I know you're loving it.
0: Absolutely. It's been an absolutely terrific year in general. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun to see what we wind up getting in 2022. I think that it's going to be a great year just across all sports and I know that Clint is going to be following everything that we've got out there in the SEC part of the country as he does a great job out there in the great state of Louisiana. So, big thanks to him for ringing in the new year with me right here on Coast Coast. He's now part of the Beaston Family Podcast. Coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this college basketball Saturday as we
4: iHeart listeners can save an extra $50 off by visiting lisa.com forward slash iHeart. That's lee acom forward slash iHeart. With Lisa, your purchase has purpose. Every year, Lisa donates thousands of mattresses to those in need. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. And we're
0: back here in Love Las Vegas. for are Coast, Coast with myself, Greg Epps here. I'm now a part of the Visa and Family Podcast and Great to be able to have Clint Domeg bringing in the new year with me, doing a terrific job out there in the great state of Louisiana. More specifically out there, more towards the Lafayette area, does a great job when it comes to his show Under the Dome, which hey, you're going to be able to catch that today. If you're out there on the central time zone, that is 10 a.m. to noon over there at 103.7 the game, so great to be able to have him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you sign total on every game on the betting board for this new year, the first day of the 20. 22 calendar year as we hit some bank shots.
1: Most financial establishments close at a certain time, but not here. It is time for a side and total on every game on today's betting board bank shots.
0: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GRNS41. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or This is where we go with the games with three digits on the rotation first, and then the games with six digits. Those are going to be at the bottom, so we are going to be doing it this way because when you wind up actually going out to Las Vegas, you, instead of saying, oh, I want to bet on... Seton Hall, for instance, their rotation number is 620. Instead of saying you want Seton Hall on the money line, you'd say that you want the money line of game number 620. So that's why I wind up doing it that way. And a lot of books actually do list these games in rotation order as well. It's just one of those cases in which you've got the major conferences here and then Pretty much Patriot League games are going to be at the bottom, along with the Rutgers versus Central Connecticut State game. But we are going to be going in Las Vegas, Station order, which means that first two games are not going to be happening. 601, 602, 603, 604. East Carolina, South Florida, and North Carolina, and Boston College have been postponed. Bummer, but we are unable to make money on these games, so we venture to 605, 606 to begin things. Marquette is going to be playing us at Creighton. Creighton is finding themselves anywhere between a one-point favorite to a one-point underdog, so you're pretty much seeing a split on this game between the favorite and your total on this game. It is anywhere between 145 and 145 and a half, and I wound up saying Marquette as a little bit more of a hefty favorite in this spot. I wound up making them a five-point favorite because when it comes to this Marquette team, I do think that they are going to be able to do a nice job against the Creighton bunch in which has actually been a little bit better on the glass, but at the same time, this is just not the same explosive scoring team that we've seen in past years. When it comes to this Blue Jays bunch, they're shooting about 31% from three-point range, 69.5% the free-throw line. Now, I will say, Ryan Hawkins has been terrific for this team. A little bit over 14 points, 7.5 rebounds, shooting 37.5% from three, and Brian Dumart shooting 41% from distance. That's very solid as well. 4.8 assists, but the 3.6 turnovers per game and the team's 14 turnovers overall is tough because Marquette has been trying to ratchet it up a little bit with regards to being able to force some turnovers. They haven't necessarily been the world's most successful team at it. I feel like they wound up getting a little bit of good fortune towards the beginning part of the year, but I think that the market has soured on them a little bit too much. I like what I'm seeing out of Daryl Marcel. Shooting 39% from three, he's been able to deliver right around 14 points per game. Greg Elliott wants of missing the beginning part of the season. Ever since he's come back, he's shooting 48% from three, 83.5% the free throw line with his seven and a half points per game. So that has been good. And then you've got a good low post player in Justin Lewis, who's able to give you 15.5 points, 7.5 rebounds per game now. Ryan Kelk gonna be the biggest player out there on the floor at 7 foot one. Guy that's able to give you nearly seven boards and 12 points per game. But when you take a look at some of the ancillary guards, someone like an Alex O'Connell, though he gives the team 11 points per game, only shooting about 30% from three point range. Trey Alexander so has only been able to give the team 5 points. He's been inaccurate from distance. I do think that Marquette is going to be able to do a good job. I'll be able to force some pressure. I myself wound up saying this total at a 145, so I'm going to be waiting on a little bit of a line move here. At the 145 exactly, I'd be leaning under just a hair because this is a game that is going to be tipping off at 9 a.m. Pacific. This is central time, so it's going to be 11 a.m., so a little bit of an early tip time, so I would lean under on a 145, but this gets down to like a 144 looking at the over. If this Gets north of 145, then it's certainly going to be a play on the under, but want to make him market a five point favorite. So taking them as either a slight favorite or just on the money line as a very, very slight underdog. 607, 608 on the banging board. Wichita State going to be playing with some Memphis. Memphis has found themselves in between a one and one and a half point underdog in your tallest game. Saying we're between 142 and, 142 and a half. I don't know about you guys, but I am out on this Memphis team. I want to sing them as a six point underdog. And this is despite the fact that Memphis, it looks like, is going to get a lot of their pieces back. They're going to be game time decisions. But you wind up seeing Jalen Duran along with Amani Bates and DeAndre Williams all get cleared in terms of health and safety protocols. And these are the top three scores for Memphis. Problem is, none of these guys average more than 11.2 points per game. And these guys are combining to shoot about 25% from three-point range out. Duran, he does a good job down low. Nearly three blocks per game, he's able to give the team... Seven and a half rebounds per game. You don't have a single other guy on this team giving you more than five rebounds per game, but DeAndre Williams has really lost it this year. First two seasons wound up shooting over 45% from three-point range, this year, he's just shooting 20% from three point range, so it has been a precipitous fall off. You take a look at Wichita State, and we've seen a little bit of a fall off when it comes to Ty ATN, a guy that is able to give the team 15 points per game, but he has scored 11 points of fear in now three of the last five games. He seems to be dealing with a little bit of an ailment. Shooting 31% from three point range just does not look like himself, but you do have Marisa Doozy, He's been able to do a solid job. He's been a doozy for other teams. Five and a half rebounds per game. And then you do have Ricky Council shooting 35% from three. Wichita State not been great with regards to their three-point shooting, making just 31.8% of them, but they do shoot 71.5% of the free throw line. It's a bunch that they get nearly eight steals per game, that is big because the big bugaboo for Memphis turnovers. They have been absolutely terrible in the backcourt with this regard. 18 turnovers per game. Now, they do force 9 steals per game, but you take a look at things and it's just not great. Alex Lomax, 3 turnovers per game, while averaging 6 points and 2.4 assists per game. That is terrible efficiency right there. Earl Timberlake has actually been okay for the same 6 points per game, but has made as many 3-pointers as myself. So, I take a look at this Memphis team. I think that they're just very poorly coached. I think that Wichita State is actually very well coached, and I do think that Ty Etienne going to be able to turn it on a little bit more in this game. You've got a Memphis team that has won the fastest with regards to Temple and all of college basketball. Wichita State is a little bit slower. I think that you're going to see some late game following here. so I did set this all at 144 looking at an over. And with Wichita State, we're to lay up to 6 here. I think that Memphis is just a team that has fallen and can't get back up. So, laying the points with Wichita State and taking a look at the over. 6-9, 6 on the betting board. You've got Texas, and they are back to being a big favorite against West Virginia. Tons game, Zane, were team 121 and 121.5 with Texas between an 8.5 and a a 9 point favorite. I'm going to lay up to 10 with Texas. I think that Andrew Carr has not necessarily been the world's greatest fit when it comes to this team, but really everyone else seems to be falling into form when it comes to this Texas team. They've now got Dylan DeSue back. gentlemen. that stands right around 6'9". Wound up shooting about 36% from 3-point range with Vanderbilt last year. Averaging 10.3 points, 6 boards per game along 2.5 blocks. So a good rim protector. And then you've got Timmy Allen along with Trey Mitchell. A pair of guys besides that are able to shoot it from 3-point range. They're combining to be able to give you right around 23 points. A little bit over 11.5 rebounds per game. 2.3 seals per game with Mitchell shooting 42% per distance. This is a Texas team that is forcing 9.5 seals per game while they turn the ball over 10.7 times per game. Got a West Virginia team that they have been looking to be able to pickpocket a little bit more right around 9 steals per game. Problem is this is a team that they've got one guy that's averaging more than 5 rebounds per game and Jalen Bridges to be able to give the team 7.5 points per game. Now Tash Sherman has been the Tasmanian double for this team. 21 points, 3 assists, seal and a half per contest and you do get right around 2.2 steals per game out of Kadrian Johnson. He's been able to step up but he only gives the team right around 5 points per game. He has been not able to put the ball in the basket and that's been a big issue for West Virginia. They shoot 62.5 percent at the free throw line. Now I do think that you're going to see a little bit more tempo out of these teams. West Virginia is ranked in the bottom 30 with regards to possessions per game. I think that they're going to look to speed it up a little bit more. Gabe Oba showing. I just don't think he's going to be match up down low with Texas. I do think that with Texas, they are going to be able to force quite a few turnovers, get some nice, easy run-out layups to be able to cover this number. And I do think that those run-out layups are going to cause for some quick buckets. So I did wind up saying this sold at 128. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And when it comes to Texas, one layup to 10 with them. So laying the points with Texas. 6'11, 6'12 on the betting board. You have Furman and they are gonna be hitting the road to face off against VMI. VMI is a four to four and a half point home underdog with your total loss game 149.5. VMI is not necessarily an up-tempo team, but they're just a very efficient team. Meanwhile, Furman, they have been solid with their offense, and this is a team. Let's look at a push of tempo. They do rank at the top 50 with regards to possessions per game. By the way, this is the lone Silicon game that we're going to be seeing. The other games wound up getting postponed, which that's just unfortunate right there. But you take a look at VMI, and Camden Kerfman is someone I do like for the team. Someone that has been able to give the team 18 and a half points per game, shooting 41 and a half percent for three point range. And then Jake Stevens, 17 points, eight and a half rebounds. Three and a half assists at six foot ten, shooting 43% from three overall VMI, makes 80% of their free throws, 36.7% of their threes. But this is one of the worst three point shooting defenses in all of college basketball. And you got a Furman team that is headlined by Mike Bothwell along with Alex Hunter out there in the backcourt, averaging 32.2 points per game. They combine to be able to give you a little bit over 6.2 assists per game, two steals per contest. Hunter shoots 47.5% from three, Furman overall 39.6% from three point range. And this is an unafraid team on the road. They want him knocking off Louisville on the road earlier this year and you've been able to get some nice ancillary pieces to be able to step up for this team as well. Someone like a Marcus Foster has been able to give this team right around 7 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. You've got Conley Garrison, who's been able to chip in their nine points on 46% three-point shooting. And then Jalen Slauson can give you a triple-double on any given night. Two steals, four assists, eight and a half rebounds, 16 points per game and nearly two blocks per contest. He does turn the ball over a little bit too much, but it's a Furman team that I think that they're going to be going up-tempo. I think that they're going to be able to hit some easy shots. I think that they themselves are going to give up some points, but I think that Furman does just enough to be able to cover this game because they are relatively solid at the free-throw line. Furman as a collective, even though they're not quite as good as VMI, they are shooting right around 7. and a half percent at the free throw line. So we'll one lay up to five year with Furman so laying the points. So that's the total at 153 So, going over as well. 613, 614 on the main board. Kent State is gonna be playing us to Toledo. Toledo is finding themselves in between to pick up to a one-point road favorite with your total on scheme. In between one forty two and a half and one forty-three, I'm willing to lay up to a deuce here when it comes to Toledo. So certainly do like the fact that I'm seeing a pick-up on this game. When it comes to Kent State, I think that they're a little bit better than what they've shown, but when you wind up losing to Central Michigan on your home floor, you know that things are not necessarily going too terrifically for the team. And for Toledo, you've got a lot of good versatility when it comes to the team. J.T. Shoemate along Cedric Milner Jr. have both been terrific. Both of these guys stand right around 6'6", 6'7". They've been able to combine for about 28 points, 14 rebounds, 3.5 assists. You've got Shoemate shooting 52% from 3. Milner Jr. more around 40.5% from 3. Power range overall. Toledo shoots 76% at the free-throw line, 34.5% from three-point range. And then Ryan Rollins has had this offense a-rolling. 19.5 points 5 boards, 3.5 assists, 2.5 steals per game. They are taking on a Kent State team that they rank in the bottom 25 when it comes to possessions per game. They've really sold themselves down now. Malik Jacobs and Sincere Carey out there in the backcourt are combined for 27 and a half points per game. Jacobs is able to give you six and a half boards and 3 assists per game. Carey, more like 5 assists, 4.5 rebounds per game. And for both of these guys, they shoot in the low 30s from 3-point range overall. You've got a Kent State team that they do sink 80% of their free throws, but they also play really, really slow. They haven't necessarily been too terrific on the interior here. Justin Hamilton has been able to give you right around a block and a half. Six boards, ten points per game. Giovanni Santiago shoots right around 37.5% from three-point range. So, you've got some solid outside shooting, but you don't necessarily have a lot of depth when it comes to this team. Toledo, they themselves, they lack a little bit of that depth, but Ray J. Dennis, I feel like is going to be an X-factor in this game. 12 points, six boards, four assists. You've got a lot of guys that are just sort of Swiss Army Knives on this Toledo team, and I think that they're going to do a good job of cutting through Ken State. Set this all at on 138. Toledo's not a team that necessarily plays up-tempo of themselves very efficient, but a little bit of a slower team. So I do think that we're gonna see a controlled game in this one. Going to be going under and with Toledo. We'll one lay up to reduce with them. So taking them as a pickup slide, one point favorite. 615, 616 on the banging board. Western Kentucky setting the road to face off against Louisiana Tech. L.A. Tech is anywhere between a 5 and and 5.5 point favorite with your turn on this game. Anywhere between 146.5 and 147. And when it comes to L.A. Tech, set them as a a 4.5 point favorite. When it comes to Western Kentucky, it certainly has been a little bit of an up and down year, especially for the backcourt. Turnovers have been a little bit of the bane of the existence for this team, as you've got Davion McKnight, who has been able to give the team 13.5 points, 6.5 rebounds, and 6.2 assists per game. But four turnovers per contest, one of the worst marks in all of college basketball. He has been the head of the sink for a team that shoots right around 71% in the free throw line, 32% from three, but overall 14 turnovers per game. Now, good news is they also generate nine and a half seals per game. He, McKnight, gives you 2.2 per game. Josh Anderson... 2.6 steals per contest and is shooting 44% per 3 with right around 11.5 points per game. A little bit of a top-heavy team, but you do have the leader in blocks per game in Jamarian Sharp. He is the tallest player in all of college basketball at 7'5", and he's getting 5 blocks per game. He is averaging more blocks than over 275 D1 schools all by himself. That is insane. Meanwhile, you take a look at LA Tech, and you've got Kenny Lofton. I call Big Sexy because he looks like Bartolo Colon, and he has been sexy for bankrolls in recent years. 17 points, 10 rebounds per game. Doing a great job there. Now, you've got an LA Tech team that their three-point shooting is a little bit of They shoot 32% for three-point range. Mario Elstribal shoots right around 36% for three, 90.5% at the free throw line, 13.5 points, right around 2.7 assists per game, and then you have been able to get right around four assists and 8.5 points per game out of Kobe Williams, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job for this team, but I think that you're taking a look at two teams that are relatively top-heavy. I think that both of these teams bring a little bit of something to the table with Lofton again sharp down low, but I do think that Jarius Hamilton is going to be able to keep Western Kentucky live in this game. Someone who has been able to do a good job night in and night out for the team, 13 plus points in four of the teams last five games. So he certainly has been firing all cylinders with that aspect, giving the team 15 and a half points per game. So I take a look at this spot and I am gonna be taking a look at the points with Western Kentucky. I was willing to take anything of a five or greater here. And when it comes to this total, you got a Western Kentucky team that ranks in the top forty with regards to possessions game. Louisiana Tech has seen one of the most up-tempo, dramatic shifts in all of college basketball. They have really been playing much faster than they did last year. So, second total, 154 as well. Going to be taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking the points with Western Kentucky. 617, 618. Mercer and Chattanooga is postponed. So, we go to 619, 620 on the banking board. Villanova hits the road face off against Seton Hall. Seton Hall is finding themselves a 1-1 and a half point underdog. In your total last game, you're going to get anywhere between a 134 and 134 and a half. As so Villanova is a 4 point favorite. When it comes to Villanova, certainly as been a rocky start to the year, but I believe in the coaching of Jay Wright. I think that he's going to do a good job of being able to get his team to play their best basketball at this time of year, and I do think that Villanova is a little bit of a bad matchup for a Seton team that has been with Ike Obiagu for quite a while, Now I do think that Obiagu is going to be playing in this game. He was out due to health and safety protocols a couple days ago, and a guy that's averaging 2.7 blocks per game, but Tyree Samuel, this has been a little bit of a loss for C. all as well. Did not wind up playing in the team's most recent game against Providence. Guy that's able to give you 11 points, 7 rebounds, a block per game. I anticipate him playing as well, but I think that they might be a little bit just out of sorts in that both of these guys have not played in over two weeks. Meanwhile, you take a look at Phil and you've got a duo in Colin Gillespie along with Justin Moore who have both been able to be absolutely tremendous for this team. They are combining the average 32 points per game with Gillespie dishing out right around 3.5 assists a 1.3 turnovers per game. Both of these guys combined to shoot 38.5% from three. Villanova overall shoots 36% from three. We have seen some bad three-point shootings from Villanova, including what they wound up doing against Syracuse, obviously the Baylor game comes to mind, but I do think that they're going to be able to round into form. I feel like that Xavier game just before Christmas was very big for them. And then you've got a pair of guys who are able to give you right around 10 to 10.5 points per game. Jeremy and Samuel is able to do that half points, 6.5 rebounds per game. And then Brandon Slater, I think, is a little bit of an X factor for this team with right around 10.5 points. Shoots only about 33% from three, but then and take a look at Seton This is a team that they could be a little bit hit or miss from 3-point range as well. Jared Roden is able to give you 16.5 points, 7.5 rebounds, so good versatility. He and Bryce Aiken combined for 3 steals per game, but Roden and Aiken combined to shoot about 28.5% from 3-point range. Miles Kale has also been able to step up a little bit for this team. Guy that has missed a few games this season, but ever since he's come back, 8-plus points And now each of the team's last 4 games, so that has been rock solid, shooting about 35% from 3-point range, but I do think that this team is going to be outgunned a little bit. Qatari Richmond relatively versatile player for all is able to give you 3.5 assists, shoots 41.5% from 3-point range, but I feel like his usage along Jameer Harris, someone who has been able to shoot about 35% from 3 with 8 points per game, has been a little bit questionable. I look at Villanova and I think that they're going to be able to get it done in this spot. Willing to lay up to 4.5 here with them. And I also set this one at 132.5. You've got a Villanova team that is one of the slower teams in all of college basketball, Seton all team, that has not necessarily shot at well from 3-point range. So, taking a look at the under and willing to lay it here with Villanova. 621-6 22 on the banking board. UW-Milwaukee is going to be hitting the road face off against Northern Kentucky. The Norse are finding themselves as a 5.5 to a 6-point favorite, and your turn on this game is 136. And I wound up setting Northern Kentucky as an 8-point favorite in this spot just because with UW-Milwaukee, they were able to cover their last game against Wright State, but boy, that is a Wright State team that has been not living up to expectations to say the least and it's a UW-Milwaukee team that has been dealing with not having Pat Baldwin Jr. out there. As a result, they have been a bottom 100 team with regards to possessions per game. Now, I do think that they're going to be kicking it up a little bit because they do so have DeAndre Golson, someone who's been able to give the team 16 points, 5.5 rebounds, been shooting about 34.5% from 3-point range, but whenever Pat Baldwin's really been off the floor, aside from that game against Wright State, this has been a rather pedestrian offense meanwhile for Northern Kentucky. Adrian Nelson should be able to control things down low in a Rebounds per game for him. Now, Joey St. Pierre has actually been solid in the interior for the CW Milwaukee team. Six half rebounds, two blocks per game I Was given the team multiple blocks, and now four of the team's last five games at least seven boards in four of the last five. But with Northern Kentucky as well, you do have the duo of uh, Trayvon Faulkner along with Marquise Mork being able to give you right around 25 and a half points per game. You've got Faulkner shooting about 38% for three-point range. And then you've been able to have 47% three-point shooting out of Hubertas Pivioris. He has been able to come through very well for this team. Now, he did wind up missing the team's last game. So, that does dock Northern Kentucky a little bit for me. But being able to dole out the ball has been Sam Vincent, Being able to give you 9.5 points, right around 3.5 assists per game in that game against UW-Green Bay. He was able to do a solid job, put in there 11 points and has really been able to do a good job of doing it out lately. At least three assists in each other the team's last four games and two plus seals and now four of the last five as well. Turnovers can be a little bit suspect with them as a result. I did wind up setting this total at a 137. I do think that UW-Milwaukee is going to be able to force a couple turnovers. I do think that you wind up getting a little bit of late game following as well. Northern Kentucky only shooting about 68% at the line, but they do shoot 35% per three. I think they do just enough to be able to get the total over and Northern Kentucky want to lay up to eight with them. This is a big one. 623, 624. Battle of undefeated. It's Baylor hits the road to face off against Iowa State. Cyclones, anywhere between seven 7.5 and 8.0 underdogs in your tallest game, anywhere between 131 and 132. I can't say that I think that Iowa's going to be able to win this game outright, but when it comes to Iowa State, I do think that they're going to be able to hang in this game. I wound up saying them as a four and a half point underdog. Baylor is a really solid team, but if this winds up being like a six point game with a minute left to go, that is not where you want to be as a Baylor backer because this is a Baylor team that they shoot 65.8% at the free throw line. That is a big issue when it comes to the team. Now, You do have Kendall Brown along with LJ Cryer doing a terrific job being able to average a combined 26 half points per game. Both of these guys shooting. 45-plus percent from three-point range. We did wind up seeing Cryer wind up missing a few games for this team. I think that he's going to be back for this game, I would suspect, but he might be a little bit affected by that. You've got James Akinjo, who's been able to give you 13 points, a little bit over six assists per game, has been turning the ball over three times per game himself, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Now, Baylor has been just a complete wagon on defense, but I would say they themselves are a top-15 team with regards to Points a lot on a per-possession basis. So, you've got a strength-on-strength battle when it comes to being able to defend. But with Iowa State, they do shoot as a collective 70.7% free-throwing, and they make their threes. Right around 35.5% from three-point range, headlined by Isaiah Brockington. Giving you 1.6 steals, 17 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. They don't necessarily have the size that Baylor does. Jonathan Chomachach was able to give you 8.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. Flothamba was able to give you a blocker contest as well. But when it comes to Iowa State, what I think has been good for the team has been Aljaz Kunich, who has been able to come in be able to give you 7.5 points as a transfer from Washington State, currently shooting 54% from 3-point range, so he's been able to do an absolutely amazing job there, and then, in my opinion, Tyrese Hunter might be the most underrated guard in all of college basketball, a guy that, as a true freshman, has been of this Iowa State team right around 10 points, 3.5 rebounds, 5 assists, two steals per game. Doesn't knock down his threes, but does a great job as a defender. Has given out six plus assists in now three of the team's last five games. Turnovers can sometimes be a little bit of an issue. Right around three per contest. Baylor has won the best teams at being able to generate turnovers, but so is Iowa State. I do think that this is going to lead to some run-out layups. I think that you wind up getting late-game filling as a result Maybe the total 134.5. So I'm going to be taking a look at the over and with Baylor. I think that they win the game outright. Can't take them to cover, though. Set them as a 4.5 point favorite, so taking the points with Iowa State. 625, 626. Can game between North Dakota State and North Dakota. So we go to 627-628. Louisiana is going to be in the road to face off against Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers are finding themselves a four-point favorite in your total. This game is between 141 and 141 and a half. Louisiana going to be short-handed. We obviously talked about this game a little bit with our good friend Flint Domeg. And with Louisiana not having Bob Marlin on the sidelines, I do think it's going to be able to make a little bit of a difference. I did wind up setting this Coastal Carolina team myself as more around a four-point favorite. So we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of a line move. At four, I'd be willing to lay it before I'd be willing to take it personally with Louisiana. It is a little bit of a different team though. With having back Theo Akwuba, they are going to be much better on the interior. Without him, you can tell that this was just a team that was getting bludgeoned down low. You want missing four games and for Akwuba and Jordan Brown. These two guys down low combined to be able to average 25 points, 17 rebounds. Akwuba gives you 1.3 blocks per game and a seal per contest. Brown more around 1.7 blocks per game. And they, they combined to be able to shoot about 40% from three-point range. Kobe Julien to be able to give you 8.5 points per game, but this is a team that they're going to be a little bit short-handed. Greg Williams Jr. has been going through COVID-19 protocols himself. They wound up having to play without Duguay, who's been able to give you 5.5 rebounds per game as well. So this is a Louisiana team that they're dealing with some losses. Meanwhile, you've got a they... Coastal Carolina team that is relatively firing in all cylinders right now. You saw Mustafa has been able to give you 17 points 10.5 rebounds. I think that he's going to do a good job down low against the Louisiana bigs. Meanwhile, Rudy Williams shooting 51% from 3-point range with 15 points per game. You've got a Coastal Carolina team that overall shoots 37% from 3 and they do a good job of being able to hold on to the ball. Right around 12 turnovers per game for them. Meanwhile, Louisiana they do force some steals right around 7.5 per contest but the 16.5 turnovers per game at 66% free throw shooting. I think Is going to be a big giant wolf for them when it comes to Coastal Carolina as well. Vince Cole, the transfer from St. John's, will give you 13 points per game shooting 38% from 3-point range, and then you've been able to get Garrett Green going as well. A guy that's able to shoot over 40% from 3-point range with Abrima Diba also being able to do a good job of dishing out the ball. At least 6 assists in each of the team's last 5 games. Overall, 6.7 assists at 2.8 turnovers per game. 3 turnovers are fewer in each of the last 5 games. You've got a Coastal Carolina team that is firing all cylinders. Here at the 4, I'm willing to lay with Coastal Carolina. If we get up north of a 4, then I'd be starting to take a look at Louisiana, but with Louisiana, this is also a top 20 team with regards to possessions per game, Coastal Carolina. Certainly not a team that's looking to play too slow either. set this all at 146, so take a look at the over as well. 629-630. Postponed game between Louisville and Georgia Tech. We should be getting that game tomorrow, but for today it is a no play. 631-632 on the banging board. right State hopes to be the right side as they play also UW-Green Bay. The Phoenix of UW-Green Bay are between 10.5 and 11 point underdogs with your turn game. Ever between 141.5 and 142. Intriguing spot here because you've got a Wright State team that despite the fact that they haven't been too efficient, they have been one of the quicker teams in all of college basketball. Meanwhile, you've got a UW-Green Bay team that they just can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. You've got Emmanuel Ansong who has really had to carry the team to this point. Been able to give the team 12.5 points, 5.5 rebounds. But- the team has collected, They shoot 25.7% from three-point range, and you've got one guy that really sees meaningful minutes at shooting above 30% from three, and that's Lucas DeBear. He has been able to give the team 4.5 assists per game, but he doesn't shoot a lot of threes in that he's averaging only about 5.5 points per game, so that's been a little bit of an issue for the team. Then you take a look at the flip side, which you're able to get out of right, say Tanner Holden. He's holding it down along with Grant Basile. These two guys have been able to combine for about 37 points per game. Basile is able to give you 9.5 rebounds. Now Basile shooting 17% from three-point range. Holden, shoot 40% from three-point range. And then you've got Trey Kelvin, who's shooting 39% from three. And overall, Wright State, they shoot 78% of the free throw line. Each other top three scores shoot at least 79.8% at the free throw line. Kelvin is able to give you 13.5 points per game. The facilitation, though, hasn't necessarily been there with Wright State. You don't have a single guy give you more than three assists per game. I think that's going to be really interesting to see what you wind up getting with this team. Dealing with a little bit of an ailment to A.J. Braun as well. Wound we'll up missing the last game. A guy that's able to give you seven-and-a-half points, three-and-a-half rebounds per game. They were able to win but not cover against uw Milwaukee. I think it's gonna be a little bit of the opposite here. Right state is a team that clearly is not living up to expectations, but this UW Green Bay team is really, really bad. I did wind up saying the sold at 142. So here at the 141 and a half, I'm gonna be taking a look at it and over. And with Right State, we'll only lay up to 12 with them just because UW Green Bay, they just don't have a lot right now when it comes to the front court or the back court. They don't have a single guy other than Anson who's able to give you more than five rebounds per game. Donovan Ivory, who comes in for Boise State, has been able to give the team 10 and a half points per game, but really Really no outside shooting, and he wound up missing the team's last game against Northern Kentucky as well, which causes for a point downgrade as well. So one to after to 12 year with right State, and gonna be taking a look at the over. 633, 634. Postponed game between Charlotte and FIU. So we go to 635, 636. The Tommies of St. Thomas are gonna be playing us in Western Illinois. The Leathernecks are finding themselves a three and a half to a four point road favorite. And your on this game is one fifty three. What's interesting about St. Thomas is that this is a team that with regards to possessions per game is one of the slower teams in all of college basketball. Basketball. They're just really, really efficient on offense and they're just really, really inefficient on defense. And you take a look at it, they're a top 35 team in regards to points on a per possession basis on offense and a bottom 20 team with regards to points allowed on a per possession basis on defense. So I think that this is going to be a fun game. I said this all at 155. You've got a Western Illinois team that they are not slowing down for anyone as they've got Trenton Maester and Will Carius being able to combine for just under 34 points per game. And then you take a look at you He's been able to give this team 41% three-point shooting. Masoner is a little bit of mister to everything for this team. Six rebounds, three and a half assists, seal and a half, shooting 40% from three-point range, and then from there, you've got a 38% three-point shooter in Colton Sandage, who's been able to give the team 15 points, right around three assists and three boards per game. Overall, Western Illinois, they only turn the ball over 11 times per game. Themselves in St. Thomas, with regards to turnovers per game, one of the best teams in all of college basketball. 7.6 turnovers per game. Very efficient team. They shoot 40% from three-point range. They have been dealing with something Hello Parker Borchelin, who is the team's top rebounder, he just wanted to returning to the team in their last game against a non-D1 opponent. Had 9 points and 12 rebounds, but hasn't played against a D1 team in about a month, so that's a little bit of an issue. Riley Miller, he wanted missing the team's last game. I think that he's going to be playing in this game. He's a guy that's averaging 18 points per game, shooting 46% from 3-point range. I think that that was just a little bit more for rest, but you want to be taking note of that. Now, even if he is out, this is a St. Thomas team that is a little bit more of a system team. Anders Nelson has been able to do a solid job stepping up as well three and a half assists, shooting only about 29% from three-point range, but gives you 17 points per game. And then from there, you've had a bunch of guys like a Kevin Cunningham, who's been able to give you like six points per game. Haven't necessarily been able to get a lot out of Don Martinelli. He has played in a few games for the team. Why is it coming over from Northwestern? So, a little bit surprised that he hasn't seen the four perhaps that's going to be coming for the team. And then you do have a guy, Ryan Lindbergh, who's been able to give you nine and a half points per game. A guy that has been able to give the team double figures in each out of the last four games that he has played in. But with that said, I think that Western Illinois, just a little bit of a better team in this spot. I think that St. Thomas is getting badly overvalued. I want to say Western Illinois as an 11 point favorite in this spot. So, one to here with Western Illinois. Set so this all at 155 as well. I think that the tempo is going to be very, very up tempo. So we're going to be taking a look at the over as well. Six thirty-seven, six thirty-eight. Southern Miss versus Marshall postponed. Six thirty-nine, six forty. Saved F. Austin Lamar postponed. Six forty-one, six forty-two. Robert Morris versus Detroit postponed. No money to be made on these games. So we go to money that is able to be made in future games. With six forty-three, six forty-four. A game that is yet to be postponed. In Idaho State hitting the road against Montana State. Montana State is signed themselves a twelve to half point favorite, and your totals game is one twenty-six and Comes to Montana State, I wanted to saying them as a 13 and a half point favorite. Idaho State is a team that I thought was going to be relatively okay, but I've had to downgrade them more and more as the season goes along because. This team has nothing in the air interior right now. You've got Robert Ford and Tariq Cool. These two guys have been able to combine for about 22 points per game. But you've got Robert Ford who's been dealing with ailments. He's really been the team's top rebounder with 4.5 rebounds per game. And he has not played since the Cal game in early December. That means that this team does not have a single player sitting up that is averaging more than 3.5 rebounds per game. And that would be Malik Porter Porter is someone that stands right around 6'5", tries to be a little bit of a combo player, but not really working out. He did have a double-double in the last game, but he's a guy that's been sitting right around 14 minutes per game that's now being thrusted into a bigger role. Overall, Idaho State, shooting 66.5% the free throw line, 30.5% from three-point range, 14.3 turnovers per game, and then you've got a Montana State team that even though they went like three of a billion from three-point range in a game against Portland a few weeks ago. They're still shooting as a collective about 37% from three-point range. Jabri Bello should be able to control things down low. 14 points, six boards, block and a half per game. Xavier Bishop, four and a half assists, 12 points per game. He has been terrific. And then you've got a pair of guys in Amin Adamu along Tyler Patterson they are able to combine for a little bit over 20 and a half points per game. You've got Patterson shooting 42% from three-point range. And then you've also got a 46% three-point shooter in Abdul Muhammad, who's able to give you seven boards, 2 assists, a steal, nine and 9.5 points per game, even though Battle Battle's not been able to step up for this team, with Idaho State being just so bludgeoned, not having any facilitation whatsoever. Austin Smiley right now leading the way with that 2.3 assists per game. I just think that it's going to be a bad, bad game for this Idaho State team, for Idaho State. In their last four games against D1 competition, they have scored more than 54 points in just one of them, and that came against a bad Northern Arizona team, so I think that they are going to be relatively all done in this game now. I do think that Montana State is going to be able to go bombs away from three. I think that they're going to be able to do their part when it comes to the total. Set this on 131.5 as a result. Going to be taking a look at the overround with Montana State. Want to lay up to 13.5 with them. So laying the points. 645, 646 on the banging board. The amount of Troy hit the road to face off against UT Arlington. The Mavericks find themselves between two and two and a half point favorites in your total game. Same for team 133 and 133.5. This is a total that is set more around a 136 because you do have a Troy team that with regards to possessions per game, they do rank in the top 75 in all of college basketball. They've really been looking to crank things up and for UT Arlington I do think that things are going to be able to come around with David Azor, so I did wind up setting them as a 5.5-point favorite. This is a UT Arlington team that got a big win against South Alabama a couple days ago. And for Azor, wound up being limited to 12 games last season and, and scored 15-plus points at each of the team's last four games. Three-point shooting has happened. Their last year shot 44% for three. This year, 15% from distance, but they've still been able to find a way, this UT Arlington team, because you do have guys that are able to do a solid job down low for this team. You've got Kandarchi. Akabanu Ihogo, who wound up leading all of college basketball the guards of blocks on a permanent basis last year, and he's in the top five once again this year. 3.1 blocks and 20.5 minutes per game. Very good rim protector for this team. UT Arlington overall, they only shoot 29% per free, 69% of the free throw line. And the 17 turnovers per game, that is a little bit of a killer. You got a Troy team that they themselves can't necessarily hold on to the ball. Troy is a team that they do generate 9.5 sales per game, but 15.5 turnovers per game, they shoot 66% of the free throw line, so... The backcourt overall for this game between both of these teams, less than Seller. Now, Duke Dean has been the Duke for Troy in the backcourt. Right around 10 points per game, 3.5 assists, a guy that shoots 87% the free throw line, about a, and a half per game. So, he's been able to do a nice job there. He's been able to cut down on the turnovers, fewer fewer in each of the team's last four games. And then, Fe Odigi has been able to give you 11 points, 5.5 boards. He's shooting 43% from three, but... I think that that is built on saying a little bit and a very inconsistent player. Over the team's last five games, he has had a double double with 18 points, then rebounds, 12 and 9. He had eight turnovers in that game as well. And then he had two points, then he had zero points. And then in the last game, he had 22 points and six rebounds. So you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. Night in and night out, Zay Williams has been able to give you 8.6 half rebounds. He shoots right around 41% from three and. When it comes to Troy, among their top five scores, four of these guys are actually shooting above 37% from three-point range. Duke Miles, being out of the fold hurt this team a little bit. He has been able to come back, but he's a guy that you just don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him night to night as well, so I think that's going to be a really intriguing spot. I do think that things are going to be kicked up tempo a little bit more, but I do think that UT Arlington is going to be able to hold up down low. I think that they are also going to be able to get a little bit more out of Javon Levi as well, someone who had a really rough start to the season, but has not given the team six plus assists in three of the team's last five games. He wound up having actually eight assists per game two seasons ago while he was at UT Riggle Grand Valley. Seems like he's starting to get down the offense, and I think that that is going to be critical for UT Arlington. So, one to lay up to five and a half here when it comes to UT Arlington. Set so this all at 136 as well, so laying the points to take any over. 647, 648 on the betting board. Youngstown State is going to be hitting the road to face off against Oakland. The Grizzles are finding themselves a nine and a half to a ten point favorite in your tallest game between 142 and 142 and a half, and Youngstown State made them a 12 and a half point underdog. Oakland, I think, is just a class of the horizon league at this point. You've got Jamal Kane, who is very able to be one of the best players in all of college basketball, not just at this level, but just all of college basketball, because he is right now putting up 21 points, 10 and a half rebounds, shooting about 30% from three-point range. It's been starting to come around a little bit more from recently. He wound up having a rough start to the year with that aspect, but now at least 19 points per game in four of the team's last five, so he has been terrific. And then you've got the leader in assists from last season in J- Jalen Moore, who's out giving the team 7.5 assists. 15 points per game. He has been absolutely terrific as he's been able to put up at least 14 points at each of the team's last 5 games. 6 plus assists in every one of them too. So, he's really been able to shine bright. And then you take a look at Youngson Seda. This is a team that has been dealing with a couple of injuries. Garrett Covington has only played in 3 games for the team thus far this season. Has not been seen since mid-November. So, you've had to look to a little bit more of Shamir Rathan-Mace. He's been able to give the team 8 points. He has been able to shoot about 46% from 3-point range, but a little bit of a low-dose guy. A guy that has scored 5 points of fear and now 4 the team's last five games, so he has been waiting with regards to his effectiveness. Now you've got Michael Acucci along Tevin Olsen, who have been able to combine for about 25 points per game. Acucci is able to give you seven boards. Both of these guys shoot sub-30% from three-point range, so you've got a young state team that they do a good job not turning the ball over. They've actually been able to play much better defense, but I do think that Oakland is going to be able to dominate on glass. Trey Townsend is able to give you 14 points, six boards per game. Had an Oakland team that they themselves only shoot about 27.5% from three-point range, but 76.5% in the free throw line. They do a good job of being Able to attack the interior and Micah Parrish being able to give the team right around nine and a half points, six half rebounds is very big, even though he has been a little bit banged up. Looks like he's going to be out of the fold as well. What Trey Townsend is able to do for this team has been very solid, and then they've been able to get a couple more minutes as well out of a guy in Blake Lampin who wound up coming in at nine points, five rebounds in that game against Robert Morris. So, willing to take Oakland up to 12 and in this spot, so willing to lay the points. Set so this sold out 144 and a half as well. Beyond an Oakland team that has been relatively efficient, so taking the over and laying the points. 649, 650. The Citadel and Sanford is postponed, so we go to 651, 652 on the betting board. The Blazers of UAB are going to be playing us to UT San Antonio. Meep, meep, the Roadrunners are between a 21 and 21 and a half point underdog. And your total on this game is 143. I think that UAB should be a sizable favorite. I think we've went a little bit far here. I want to say UAB has more around a 17 and a half point favorite. I do like what I'm seeing out of this Blazers team, but with UT San Antonio, I do think that they're going to be able to do an okay job down low. You've got a guy in Jacob Germany who's been able to do a solid job with 14 points, five and a half rebounds, and then Center Kelly Jr. comes in from Houston, 10 points, 7 and a half points per game. And then the guy that has run been able to bring this team together is Juju Diang who's been able to give you 16.5 points 6 boards only shoots about 30% from 3 point range that's a little bit of a tough spot for this UT San Antonio team but does a good job of being able to force a couple turnovers overall UT San Antonio making about 26.8% of their 3's but the only Turn the ball over 12 and a half times per game, and then for UAB, you do have Jordan Walker, who was limited a little bit in the team's last game. I thought that that was very curious. You wound up seeing UAB trying to mix and match a little bit with their lineup. KJ Buffin wound up coming in off the bench as well. Buffin's able will give the team nine and a half points, six and a half boards per game. You got a UAB team that they shoot about 35.5% from three point range, 69% of the free throw line. And for Quan Jackson, has been one of the top players with the guards of Seals per game in all of college basketball. As a matter of fact, for UAB, each out of their top five players with regards to scoring also give you at least 1.2 seals per game as they get 11.7 as a collective. But I do think that UT San Antonio is going to be able to do an okay job of being able to take care of the ball. Michael Urto has been solid with 11 points per game, so that has been a nice sign for this team. But even though Trey Jameson is 7 feet tall is able to give the same a block and after contest, I do think that UTSA is going to be able to hold up on the glass. I did wind up setting the total at 135. UAB won the top teams with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis ever since Andy Kennedy wound up getting into the fold. UT San Antonio playing a little bit slower, so take a look at the under and take a look at the 21 to 21 and a half here with the Roadrunner, 653-654 on the bang board. Providence hits the road to face off against DePaul. DePaul is between a one and, one and at point home underdog with your total between 140 and 141, and for DePaul all I want to saying them as a two and a half point favorite now Providence has been very good this year only team in all of college basketball with five quad one wins, but I think that this is going to be a little bit of a tough spot for them. DePaul's coming off a heartbreaking loss that they wanted, suffering up against Butler. I think that they're going to be angry in this game. You've got Javon Freeman Liberty, who I think is going to be the best backcourt piece in this game. 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals per game. He has been absolutely tremendous for this team. You take a look at DePaul, and overall, they have been able to kick things up with regards to their outside shooting. They have been shooting about 32% from three point range now. You've got to expect that David Jones is going to be out of the full once again. Well, of missing that game that they wound up losing against Butler, a guy that has been able to give the team 17 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds per game. But you do have in place of him, Brandon Johnson, along with Nick Onagenda who has been able to both give you 11 to 11.5 11 points per game. Johnson, 7.5 rebounds per game. Onagenda, not a guy that's necessarily going to be able to stretch a floor, but 2.5 blocks per game. And then your and I has been able to give you 2 blocks per game as well. In that game against Butler, he did wind up racking up quite a few fouls, but had 6 points in 12 minutes, so he's able to be a relatively efficient guy when it comes to scoring. And then for Providence, you do have Nate Watson. Nate Watson has been able to give this team 15 points, 6 rebounds at a block per game. And then Noah Horschler, 10.5 points, 8.5 rebounds. Shoots 44% from 3 as a 6-foot-8 combo player. You take a look at the backcourt, and you don't necessarily have a whole lot of explosiveness when it comes to outside shooting Providence. Overall, shoots 32.5% from three, and they're right around 300th in the country with the guards' possessions per game. So, got a little bit of a slowed-down team. A.J. Reeves along to Al Durham have been able to combine for about 23 points per game. Both of these guys are combining for a little bit under six assists per game. These guys really don't force a lot of steals. That's really Jared Byram. Bayam has been able to give you right around 7.5 points per game. He has been in and out of the fold a little bit. Wanted returning in that game against Eden Hall and looked very good with 14 points, 4 assists, so you do like to see that. But sometimes can have his turnover wolves as well. I do think that DePaul, with guys like Jalen Terry and company being able to acclimate themselves, are going to be able to win this game on their home floor. Set so DePaul as a 2.5 point favorite, so taking them on the money line, I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a slowdown game as well. Set this all at 134.5, so diving under along with that money line. 655-656 on the betting board. Ohio is going to be hitting the road to face off. Against Western Michigan. Western Michigan has find themselves a 13 and a half to a 14 point underdog, and your total loss game is one thirty-seven and a half. I certainly do think that Western Michigan should be an underdog. I set this line at 11.5. When it comes to Western Michigan, they did wind up getting bludgeoned in their last game against Toledo, but when it comes to Western Michigan as well, what I think is going to be able to keep this team alive is the fact that you do have a difference-making scorer in Lamar Norman Jr. Why is it coming in from Duquesne? 17.5 points per game, 34.5%, 3-point shooter overall, Western Michigan. Only shooting about 31% from distance, 16 turnovers per game. That is a little bit tough, but you do have down low Marquise Hastings, who has been able to give this team 8 rebounds, 8.5 points, right around his seal per game. So, he has been able to do a nice job there, and you take a look at his numbers, and he has been able to give the team a combined 26 rebounds in the last two games. Meanwhile, you've got an Ohio team that they do a good job down low with Ben Vander along Jason Carter, both being able to rebound well because these two guys combined to be able to give you 14 rebounds per game, but on top of that, they also give you right around 24. four points per game, and then you've got Vander Plaz being able to shoot 36% from three-point range. Mark Sears has done a good job of being a fill-in for Jason Preston. The assisting is not necessarily there, but two seals, three and a half assists, 18 and a half points per game, shooting 47% from three-point range. Ohio, overall, shoot 79% from the free-throw line. They generate right around eight seals per game. Ben Roderick has been able to give you seven and a half points per game. He's been able to do a solid job there. They have been dealing with an ailment to London McDay. He has only played in five games this season, has yet to play in the month of December, so I have to factor that in. And then you've got beyond that, someone like Tommy Schmuck, who has been able to give you right around 3 points per game, but hasn't done much recently for the same 3 points or fewer in now 3 of the team's last 5 games, able to shoot their about 35% from 3 point range, but I do think that Western Michigan, with guys like Titus right down the, being able to give you right around 5 rebounds per game, are going to be able to do an okay job in the glass, keep themselves at bay in this one, Ohio not on so necessarily been fast, but they've been relatively efficient, so I did wind up setting the total at 145.5, going to be taking a look at the over, and when it comes to Western Michigan, 1 to take 14 here as I set them as an 11.5 point underdog, 657, 658 Postponed game between Miami of Ohio and Central Michigan. So we move on. 659, 660 on the betting board. Fresno State is going to be playing us Air Force. Air Force is finding themselves a 15.5 point underdog in your total on this game. It is anywhere between 113 and 114. This is because Air Force is in the bottom 20 in all of college basketball when it comes to possessions per game. Meanwhile, you've got a Fresno State team that they've been playing relatively slow as well. But with Fresno State, this has actually been a relatively effective offense recently. You take a look at them, and they have been able to really bust out in some spots. They wound up putting up a 69 spot against Weber State a few days ago. They played an over against Boise State, so you wound up having that go on as well. Orlando Robinson has been tremendous for this team. 19 points. We'll be right back. The cat sat on the Eight boards guy that's seven feet tall and shooting 34% from three point range. Jamaral Baker has just been in and out of the fold for the team all season long. Gotta figure that he's gonna be out once again. It's been very interesting to try to gauge that. But Isaiah Hill and Jordan Campbell are able to combine him him for 16 and a half points out there in the backcourt. Hill has been able to give you three assists. Both of these guys, honestly, great three point shooters. But Anthony Holland shooting 44% from three, seven and a half points per game. But when it comes to Air Force, I think that things have gotten a little bit too lofty with them. I did wind up saying them as a 12 point underdog because I feel like they've got the best guard in this game and A.J. Walker. guy that's able to give you 16 and a half points. A guy that's shooting 40% for three. Overall, Air Force shoots 35% from three-point range. You've been able to have a 44% three-point shooter And Jake Heed-Bretter. Be able to step up for the team. He's given you a little bit over nine points per game. has had double figures in now three of the last four games. and has also been able to deliver a little bit of rebounding as well. Four plus fours in three of the team's last four games. This is an Air Force team that they do turn the ball over a lot. It seems like they either make a three or they turn the ball over on every possession. They play really, really stinking slow. You do have Nick Jackson, though, a guy that really stepped up in that Utah State game. He wound up having in that contest 12 boards, which is something that is badly needed because this is an Air Force team that they have been getting quite bludgeoned on the glass. But I think we've went a little bit too far with this subtle. I think that it should be low. I said the subtle at 116, but you're at 113 to 114. You really need to be hitting runner-runner in order to get this under because I mean, even if these teams wind up playing to their tempo, I mean, if Air Force just winds up having a normal shooting night, they should be able to get past 50. I think that Fresno State should be able to put a little bit over 60 on the board as well. If this winds up being like an 8 to a 10-point game with a minute or so left to go, like I think that this could be, then you wind up getting the following as well. So they wind up setting Fresno State as a 12-point favorite. So I'm looking to take the points here with Air Force and with the total, set the total at 116. So take a look at the over as well. 661, 662 on the betting board. Appalachian State is going to be playing us a Louisiana Monroe. Monroe is finding themselves a 5-5.5-point five to five and a half point. underdog. And your tolerance game is anywhere between 137 and 137.5. I've had to adjust a little bit on this Appalachian State team. I thought that they were going to be solid coming into the year. They wound up having some relatively solid performances, and Dustin Kearns is someone that I have a lot of admiration for as a coach, but they are currently dealing with an ailment to Justin Forrest. Now, Justin Forrest shooting 29% overall from the floor, about 20% from three-point range, but you could tell in the last game that they wanted playing against Louisiana. They did not look like themselves with them um, out of the fold. I want to saying Appalachian State as a result, as more around a four-and-a-half-point favorite. So here at five-plus, I'm willing to take the points with Louisiana Monroe. And And when it comes to Louisiana Monroe, I think that this is a little bit of an underrated team in that you've got some good backcourt pieces that are able to fire on all cylinders for this team. You've got someone in Elijah Gonzalez who has been able to do a nice job of being able to dole out the ball a little bit over four assists, seven and a half points per game, shooting 39% for three-point range, highly efficient. Andre 3000 Jones, 13 points, 3.7 assists, not a great three-point shooter. Overall, Monroe, they generate right around 9.5 steals per game, shoot 33% per three, 71.5% at the three throw line with Kareem Ozier being able to give you 11 points, right around three assists per game. They don't have a lot down low. You've got Trey Hollowell, who's able to give you 10.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game, and then Russell Harrison has been Mr. Do-It-All for this team, a guy that has been able to give you right around 12.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game. He's shooting 40% from 3-point range, so that has been rock Meanwhile, you take a look at Appalachian State, that This team just can't put the ball in the bucket to save their lives outside of Adrian Delph. Delf has been terrific. 15 points, 5 rebounds. He shoots 39% from 3. Overall, Appalachian State shoots 30.3% from 3-point range. Michael Almenzi has is able to shoot about 31% from this since he's able to give you right around 3 assists, 9.5 points per game, but also don't have a ton down low with this team. Donovan Gregory is able to give you 5.2 boards per game. James Lewis, right around 5.5 boards per game. These two guys have been able to combine for about 14 points per game, but you don't necessarily get a lot out of your bigs. They've got size, but they don't necessarily play effectively with it. Monroe, they don't necessarily have a lot of pieces down low, but I do think that you are going to be able to get enough out of this backcourt, and you've been able to have Nika Vili, man, I tried to pronounce that last name. It is like 15 letters long. He comes from the country of Georgia. He's been able to step up recently at 20 points in the last game. So we're going to call him Nika. He's been able to do a solid job. I think that he's going to be able to play some solid minutes in this game. So I think that Monroe is going to be able to hang in there. We'll take the 5 and 5.5 and here. When it comes to total, set it at a 130.5. You've got an Appalachian State team that's in the bottom 25 with the guards' possessions per game. Monroe's been able to kick things up. They can be a little bit inefficient. So take a look at the under along with the points. 663, 664 on the betting board. You've got San Diego State heading the road to face off against UNLV. The running Rebels are finding themselves in between a 3 and 3.5 and point underdog in your tolerance game. In between 130 and 132. I'm seeing a 120. And a half out there at DraftKings as well so this is all over the place. I wound up saying this total at a 129 so the 130 pluses because we're mostly seeing about 130 to 130 and a half, going to be taking a look at the under in this spot and with UNLV made them a 3.5 point underdog so here at the 3 and even really the 3.5 I'm willing to take San Diego State. I would need a 4 plus to be able to take a shot here on UNLV when it comes to the San Diego State team it certainly has been a little bit of trial and tribulation for this team but I do like what you're able to get out of Map. Bradley, someone who's been able to get the team 15 points, 4.5 boards, had a really rough three-point shooting start to the season, has shot 40-plus percent from three-point range in four of the team's last five games, 12-plus points in every one of those contests, has been turning the ball over quite a bit. Three plus turnovers in far of the team's last five games. UNLV is a team that they generate right around seven steals per game, but they themselves are not a team that is necessarily too efficient on offense. They shoot right around 73.5% of the free line. They don't turn the ball over a lot, but they shoot 32% from three-point range. Bryce Hamilton is the Carmelo Anthony type. He gives you 18.5 points, 3.5 rebounds per game, but he does it on pretty much like I would say 18 shots per game. This is a guy that is not very efficient, to say the least. Roy Sam is able to go him down low, 9 points, 10 rebounds per game. So, I do like what he's able to bring to the table with a block per game. And Michael Nuga, I think it is very fascinating to take a look at. Got off to a really rough start to begin the year. Then he wound up having a 21-point game against Seattle. And now in the last two games, he has had a combined 5 points in right around 24 minutes. So, seems like he's a little bit banged up. Meanwhile, for San Diego State... Down low, you have been able to have Nathan Menza be able to give you 8.5 rebounds per game. He's only chipping in there right around 8.5 points per game, but certainly a good defender for this team, and then Trey Polium has been able to chip in there 38% 3-point shooting, 10.5 points per game. I think that San Diego State going to be able to do enough down low. I like their backcourt a little bit better. I do think that this is going to be a very slow game. San Diego State and UNLV two of the more bottom teams with regards to possessions per game in all of college basketball, and two teams that are pretty efficient on defense, so taking a look at an under in this spot, and i willing to lay the 3-3.5 three to three and a half here with San Diego State, 665, 666 on the betting board. Northern Arizona is going to be playing against Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington find themselves a three-point favorite. And your total on this game is 142.5. I want it flipping this. I want it making Northern Arizona a three-point favorite. When it comes to Eastern Washington, I have been warming up on this team. I actually do like what I'm seeing out of this first-year coaching staff. But with that said, when it comes to Northern Arizona, I do think that Jalen Cohn is going to be a little bit of an X factor for the team. He winds up coming in from Virginia Tech and has really been the do-it-all piece, for this Northern Arizona team, 18 points, right around three assists, shooting 39% per three-point rate, 19-plus points at each other the team's last four games. Now, turnovers, they're certainly there with him. He has been jittering right around three and a half turnovers per game, which is a little bit unsightly, but... Down low, you do have Carson Touch, who's been able to give you nine points, nine and a half rebounds per game. So he's been able to do a nice job there. Along 3.3 assists per game. And then speaking of facilitation, Ryland he's been able to do a solid job for Eastern Washington. Guy that's able to give you 12 and a half points, five and a half rebounds, four assists per game. He has given out three plus assists in each of the team's last five games. That has really cut down on the turnover. Sewer fear in each of the team's last five Eastern Washington. Overall shoots about 32% from three point range. Linton Alciles has missed a few games for the scene, but has returned in the last two in those games, has been able to to combine for 24 points, eight rebounds. So his rebounding has been down a little bit, but he's been able to do a solid job of be able to put the ball in the basket. And then you've got Steely Venters, who's been able to give the team 17 and a half points per game. A guy that's shooting 46 and a half percent from three-point range has been a little bit up and down recently, though. So that is something that I think is worth taking note of. And when it comes to Northern Arizona as well, a big key that I think is going to be prevalent for the team: the fact that they shoot 35 percent from three as a collective, 71 percent the free throw line, and I have a guy Nick Maines who's been able to do a very solid job knocking down 36% of his threes as a six-foot eight combo player, so I do think that he's going to be a little bit of an X-factor in this game. I like Northern Arizona to be able to win outright on their home floor, taking them on the money line, set them as a three-point favorite, and when it comes to the total, it is one that I want of setting at a 143.5 with the way that Eastern Washington has pumped up their tempo, so take a look at the over and the money line. 667, 668, UConn Butler postponed, along with 669, 670, Virginia Tech and Pittsburgh, and 671, 672, Tennessee State and Morehead State, so no money to be made on these games, but Let's go to something that we can make money on. 673-674 on the Banging Board. Boise State. They are going to be hitting the road to face off against Wyoming. That Cowboys are finding themselves a 1-1.5 one to one and a half point home favorite. And your total on this game is 131. With Boise State, this has been a team that has played ridiculously slow In Wyoming. They themselves are in the bottom 75 with regards to possessions per game. They have been really efficient. And for this Boise State team, it has been very interesting to take a look at them. Because this is a team that they just flat out haven't shot the ball well. We're going to call it what it there. overall shooting 60.5% of free-throwing. They are now shooting about 34% from 3-point range. That's because Tyson Hart has really been able to step up. 8.5 points per game doesn't sound great, but just take a look at what he's been able to do recently. Other than the clunker that he wound up having against Fresno State, in which he wound up having 6 points, he has really been able to emerge. Ever since you wound up having him really see meaningful minutes in that St. Louis game, he has had double figures, and now I believe it is 6 out of the team's last 7 games. He has really been able to step up. I think you've got Emmanuel Aikop being able to give you 11 points per game. He's shooting 39% from 3-point range. Marcus Schaefer Jr. also shoots 39% from distance, 13 points per game. Abu Kiab is a good Swiss Army knife guy, 14 points, 7 boards, 2.5 assists per game, but then you take a look at Wyoming, and I do like what you're able to get out of Hunter Maldonado. Not a great shooter, but a guy that at the point guard spot has been able to give you 17 points, 5.5 rebounds, 6 assists per game. He's got good size at right around 6.5, so he's able to do a nice job there. Wyoming has only committed 9.9 turnovers per game. One of the more efficient offenses in all of college basketball, and Graham EK down low, I think is going to be able to win the battle there. 19 and a half points, 8.5 rebounds, He's been rock solid. Xavier Ducell is someone that shoots 39% from three-point range. And Dalton Jeffries shoots 48% from distance. He, along with Ducell combined for 21 and a half points per game. So I like these guys. Now, Death, a little bit of an issue for Wyoming, but you still have a guy like Hunter Thompson and Brandon Wenzel. Both of these guys see quality minutes. Both of these guys are able to knock down a couple threes. So I do think that at elevation, you are going to see Wyoming be able to get it done. Set them as a four-point favorite. will delay it here. Set the total at 128 as well. I think that you're going to get a very slow and controlled game. With the way that both of these teams wind up playing, so taking the under, and I'm willing to lay it here when it comes to Wyoming, 675, 676 on the banking board. Florida Atlantic is going to be playing us Old Dominion. Old Dominion's between a three and three and a half point underdog with your draw on scheme, and between 130 and a half and 132. And when it comes to Florida Atlantic, set them as a three and a half point favorite. So here at the three, which I'm mostly seeing, I'm willing to lay it with Old Dominion. It has been one of these slower teams in all of college basketball in terms of possessions per game. You've got a Florida Atlantic team that they're looking to gun it a little bit more, but I did want him setting the total at one twenty eight. At Florida Atlantic has shown that they're a little bit of a chameleon and that they can win in a wide variety of ways and a big reason why is because you do have a gifted guard in Michael Forrest who's been able to get 14 and a 14.5 points three assists, shooting 35% from three-point range. Overall, Florida Atlantic only shoot 64% at the free-throw line, but right around 35% from three. Old Dominion has not been too much better at the free-throw line. About 69%, and they only shoot 30% from three. Now, KJ Kaiser has done a good job of being able to put the ball in the basket. 14.5 points per game, shooting 37.5% per distance, and then you do have Jalen Hunter giving out 4.3 assists, four boards, nine points per game, shooting about 31% from three-point range, so he's been able to do a solid job there. You do have Kalu Azikpe, who's been able to give you seven rebounds per game, but for Florida Atlantic, I do I do think that Vladislav Guldin, the 7-foot gentleman that winds coming in as a transfer from Texas, Tech, is going to be able to do a good job. He's been able to get the team 5.5 rebounds per game, so I do think that that is going to be very big figuratively and literally for this bunch. Brian Greenlee, winds coming in from Minnesota, has been able to get the team 10.5 points per game, shooting 42% from 3-point range. You've got Everett Winchester, wind up missing a few games for the team, but he had really been on the downturn with regards to his scoring, so if he does not wind up going in this game, I don't think that it's necessarily something that you need to worry too much about, as long as you've got general Davis out out there Davis is someone that has been seeing more minutes and has given the team at least five rebounds, and now each of the last four games he has been able to give the team a combined seven steals in the last four contests as well, so a very good on-ball defender, so I do think that Florian Atlantic is able to play a little bit of a slower game in this one, We'll to lay up to three and a half with them. so we'll to lay the three. When it comes to the total, set at 128 and a half, so diving under and laying three with Florian Atlantic 677, 678 on the betting board. NC State is going to be playing us a Florida State. These Seminoles are open to have a Seminole moment. Has a two and a half to a three-point road favorite, and your total on this game, your Finding it anywhere between a 142 and a 142 and a half with NC State, I want to make them the favorite. I recognize that it has been a no good, very bad year for them, but Florida State has not necessarily had the world's greatest year either. You take a look at the Seminoles team, and you have been able to get quite a bit more out of the transfer from the American Athletic Conference of Caleb Mills. Mills has come in and he's given the team 12 points, three assists per game. You take a look at what he's been able to do recently, and 13 plus points. And now five out of the team's last six games, two plus seals, and four out of the last five. So has been able to do a good job there, but for Florida State, it's a case in which they generate a bunch of steals, but they also turn the ball over a lot as well. This is a Florida State team that they're committing about 14 turnovers per game. They generate 10 steals per game. They shoot about 35% from three-point range. Malik Osborne has been terrific. 12.7 rebounds per game. Anthony Polite politely has been able to give you 10 points per game. Last year, shot over 40% from three. Just 30% this season, and you would deal with a little bit of an ailment to Raquan Evans, a guy that has missed a few games, wanted coming back for that Lipscomb game, but now single digits in each of the last five games. So he hasn't necessarily been right this year. And then for NC State, Dron Sebron, I think he's going to be able to take over this game. 18.5 points, 10.5 rebounds, 3 assists, 1.5 seals per game. And then you've got Jericho Helms behind him, shooting 39% per 3, 15 points per game to Kravia Smith. So maybe will give you 14 points. He has been rock solid. And then Cam Hazel and Casey Marcel, I think, are going to be X factors. 19 and a 19.5 points per game. Marcel shooting 35% per 3 for an NC State team that has a collective, only shoots about 30% per 3, but they do shoot 71% of the free throw line. And for NC State, what they do a good job of holding on to the ball. 9.7 turnovers a game. They rank in the top 10 in all of college basketball. they guards a the fewest turnovers on a per-possession basis. I think that they're going to be a hold-up against a Florida State team that they thrive on being able to get turnovers, so I think it's a bad matchup for Florida State. Willing to let, take NC State on the money line in the spot. Willing to lay actually up to 2 with them, so taking that. And when it comes to total, set it out on 152. You've got an NC State team that's highly efficient, playing very fast. A Florida State team that they're looking to kick up the tempo as well, so going over and taking NC State on the money line. 679, 680 on the betting board. Cal State Bakersfield is going to be playing with Long Beach State. Long Beach State is finding themselves a a 5.5 point underdog with your total on this game, 135. And for Long Beach State, I did wind up saying them as an underdog of 8 points. When it comes to Bakersfield, certainly has been a little bit of a rough year for them, but I do like the system overall that this team does have. Meanwhile, I just don't like what Long Beach State has grown up right now. It's a Long Beach State team that they've just lost so many guys due to transfer in recent years. So it's really the Joel Murray show at this point. Murray, 16 points, three assists per game, shooting about 29% for three point range, has been a very hit or miss guy all season long. The turnovers have actually reigned themselves in a little bit more. Three turnovers are fewer in each of the last four games. This is a Kelsey field team that they generate about 7.5 steals per game as a collective, and it's just really a whole is greater than the sum of its parts team. You've got three guys that average between 9.7 and 10.6 points per game. Jordan McCall along with Jordan Elder Davis. And then you're able to throw in there Caleb Higgins as well. The one guy that's really shooting well from three-point range is Elder Davis, making 42.5% of his threes. You don't necessarily have one main facilitator for the team. Nobody's giving you more than 2.2 assists per game, so it is a lot of isolation when it comes to the team. But they do a good job of being able to rebound by committee. Someone like Sean Stith is be able to do a good job down low, 5.5 points, 4 rebounds per game. Elder Davis is able to give you 5.5 rebounds per game. Jordan McCall, right around 5 boards. So these guys do a good job as a collective. And then for Long Beach State, you take a look at them and you've been able to get right around 6 boards and 5.5 points per game out of Abadu Keir, Torres. So he's been able to do a nice job there. Colin Slater's been able to give you 12 and a half points per game, shooting 41% from three, but. Long Beach State also shoots 65% of the free throw line, and they're just so, gosh, darn inefficient. 17 turnovers per game. I think that that is going to be a big, giant bugaboo for Long Beach State team. that They're playing their first game ever since December 12th as well, so they have been on a very long layoff. I think that there's going to be rust. I think that that's going to allow Cal State Bakersfield to be able to get their game in this one, be able to slow this game down. Long Beach State is looking to gun it. Bakersfield looking to play very slow. I wanted saying setting this sold out at 132, so I think that Bakersfield gets their tempo, and as a result, I think that they get the cover as well. Willing to lay up to 8 with Cal State Bakersfield field to so laying the points to take the under. 681 682 on the bagging board. Utah Valley is going to be playing us to Tarleton State. Tarleton State find themselves a 5-5.5 five five point underdog in your turtle on this game. is anywhere between 119 and 119.5. And this is going to be a little bit of a short-handed Tarleton State team. You wanted seeing them be able to get the win a couple days ago, but with that said, I think that there's going to be some big giant question marks when it comes to what you're going to be able to get out of this team because they were dealing with some guys that were out in that game against 60 State. Now, the reason why they were able to get by is because Freddie X had a completed undertaking over a guy that overall is averaging nine and a half points, five rebounds per game. He had 27 points in that game, but this is a Charleston State team that they shoot 30% from three point range. If Taj Small winds up being out of the fold once again, it's going to be really tough for this team. A guy that's able to give you six boards, 14 and a half points per game at six foot five has been able to shoot about 35% from three point range, so that is a little bit of an issue. This is a team that they also wound up having Shakir Daniels out of the fold as well. A guy that's able to give you six and a half points per game, but really it's his defense that is missing. A guy that is able to do a good job of being able generate a few seals for you so that is going to be very important because you got Tarleton say who's generating right around 10 seals per game and for Utah Valley they should just be able to win the battle on the glass. Fada Zamek 19 and a half points 13.5 rebounds per game, is now shooting a couple threes for a Utah Valley team that overall shoots about 35.7% from three-point range. Latrey Dothard, along with Connor Harding, have both been able to combine for about 21 points per game for Harding. Has been a little bit up and down this year. Has scored seven points or fewer in each of the team's last four games, but has done it with regards to facilitation. At least three assists in each of the team's last three games as well. Blaze Neal had the game of his life against Evelyn Christian a few days ago. 27 points, 11 rebounds, 7 rebounds. I don't think that that is necessarily sustainable. I do think that things are going to be a little bit more reined in when it comes to the offense of this game, but you've got a Utah Valley team that they are willing to kick it up tempo with Charleston State missing a couple pieces. I think that much like you wound up seeing in that game against 60 State, the defense is not going to be quite there with them. Set so this all on 123.5. I don't think that you're necessarily going to be seeing something where these teams are just blazing up and down the floor, but I do think that Charleston State being a little bit hobbled is going to be hurting them. I think that it winds up coming down to a little bit of late game fouling. Utah Valley not necessarily great at the free throw line. Charleston State actually shoots 74.5% at the free throw line, but I do Think that Charleston State does wind up getting a little bit tired out in this game. And Utah Valley, they themselves shoot 73% of the free throw line. Made Utah Valley five and a half point favorite. So here at the five, to we'll lay it. Said this all at 123.5. So going over as well. 683, 684, Eastern Illinois, and Belmont postponed. 685, 686. You've got Texas State and South Alabama ditto postponed. No money to be made. So we go to 687, 688 on the betting board. You've got Awesome P. And the Covenators are going to be hitting the road face off against Southeast Missouri State. Southeast Missouri State find themselves anywhere between a two and a half and a three-point favorite, and your total on this game is between 147.5 and 149, and Southeast Missouri State has been a little bit of an up-and-down team this year. I think that they'll be able to get it done against an awesome P team that they have been a little bit up-and-down as well. They looked really good when they were able to knock off Dayton earlier this year, but they have shown their warts as well, so a pair of teams that it certainly has been the best of times and the worst of times for them with Southeast Missouri State. I think a big key is going to be Eric Reid. I think that he's going to be the best player out there on the floor with regards to the backcourt. A guy that has been able to get this team Fourteen and a half points per game, shooting 34% from three-point range. On the flip side, you got Caleb. Stonewall Carowell, who's been able to do a relatively solid job for the team, and then you're able to throw in there Tariq Silver as well. A pair of guys they're giving you between 12 and 13 points per game out there in the backcourt. Now Southeast Missouri safe now let's see the world's greatest team with regards to being able to hit the glass, so they're going to have a little bit of a tough time against Elijah Hutchins Everett, a true freshman who's been able to give this team 12 and a half points, seven and a half rebounds, shooting 36% from three-point range. So he has been very good for the team. But you do have Nigel Russell, guy that's able to chip in there right in the neighborhood, about seven rebounds per game. He's giving you a little bit over. 7 points per game. And for Southeast Missouri State, a team that shoots about 74.5% of the free throw line, 32.5% from three. And then you've got an awesome B team that they can sometimes get a little bit reckless with the ball. Right around 14.5 turnovers per game. They shoot 34% as a collective from three-point range with Silver shooting about forty-nine percent from distance, 73% of the free throw line. Carlos Paz has been able to do a right around 3.5 assists, a assist, so 1.3 turnovers game. So he's been able to do a solid job there. But you've had a couple of injuries, especially with a guy like Alec Woodard, who wound up dealing with a few injuries earlier this season, he's been able to give the team six points or fewer in each of the last four games really since his return. So that has been a little bit of an issue for this team. And I do think that Southeast Missouri State going to be able to rebound after giving up north of 100 points to Murray State. This is a game that I think is going to be a little bit more controlled with regards to the tempo. Southeast Missouri State not necessarily looking to gun it. Things wound up getting a little bit out of sorts for them in that game against... Murray State, and I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to restore order. Willing to lay up to three over Southeast Missouri State, so willing to lay the two and a half. And with regards to the total, at the 149, we're going to be taking a look at the under as well. We go to game number 689, 690 on the betting board. You've got Georgia Southern, and they are going to be playing against Arkansas State. Arkansas State is finding themselves a three and a half point favorite, and your total on this game is anywhere between team 137 and 137 and half. And when it comes to Arkansas State, I did wind up saying them as a five point favorite in this spot. You've got a Georgia Southern team that they actually play at one of these slower tempos in all of college basketball. Things wind up getting away from them a little bit in their last contest against Little Rock. They wind up losing that game. They wind up giving up 78 points. So That was not necessarily a great showing for them. And for Georgia Southern, this is a team that is led by Elijah McCaden along with Andre Savrovsky. These two guys have been able to combine for about 24 points for game. Savrovsky has been able to shoot only about 30% from three-point range. McCaden he himself shoots 23.5% for distance. And for this Georgia Southern team, they shoot a little bit over 50% from the floor, but they commit 15 turnovers per game while being a bottom 25 team with yards possessions per game, so that is an issue. Meanwhile, for Arkansas State, I do think that they're going to be able to control things down low. You've got a guy that I really like in Northshed O'Meara. Omir is someone that has been able to give the team a little bit over 10 rebounds, 14.5 points per game. Desi Sills has been a very solid score for the team. 3 assists, 14 points per game. Now, shoots 22% for 3-point range, but Caleb Fields, Marcus Eden, they shoot more around 34.5% from 3-point range. Both of these guys have been solid at being able to help out with facilitation as well. Fields, 4.5 assists and 8 points per game. Eaton, 12 points, 3.5 assists per game. A little bit of a top-heavy team, but you've still been able to get a little bit of something out of Malcolm Farrington, a good on-ball defender for the team, shooting 36% from three-point range. Does a solid job of being able to mix in with regards to their normal rotation. And when it comes to Georgia Southern, just not a team that I think is going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low with Severovsky being able to give you right around six rebounds per game. Prince Iambi, only about eight points, five rebounds per game. So I did wind up saying Arkansas State is more around a five and a half point favorite, won't delay it here. Set this total at 133 as well, so we're going to be diving under. 691-692 is a postponed game between UNC Greensboro and Wofford, so we go to 693-694 on the betting board. That'd be Rice and North Texas rice and we give our old Elaine Kiffner. Goals. They are going to be finding themselves as 9.5 to a 10-point underdog in your tallest game. And between 132.5 and and 133. And with Rice, I only wound up saying that it's a 5-point underdog. You've got a North Texas team that really does a terrific job with regards to their defense. But this is a team that offensively, I fear, is going to be a little bit challenged against a Rice team that they really do look to crank up their tempo a little bit more. I set this out at 134 because I do expect to see a little bit of late-game falling in this game. I do expect Rice to be able to keep this thing relatively close. When it comes to North Texas, they do a good job with Thomas Bell being able to give you double figures, right around 6 rebounds per game, so I think that he's going to be able to do a nice job but then you've got also Max Fiedler on the other side for Rice. He has been able to give this team just under 9 rebounds per game, a double digit score, so he's able to contribute in a wide variety of ways. And Last year wound up averaging a little bit over 4 assists per game. That has seen a little bit of a downtick this year, but still a guy with versatility that's able to pass and then you've got Carl Pierre along Travis Evie. Both of these guys in the backcourt for Rice are averaging 15 plus points per game. Both of these guys combined to shoot 46% from 3 point range and 82% the free throw line over all rice. They shoot 41% for three. Now, the 15 turnovers per game, that's not necessarily terrific. You've got a North Texas team that they do hang their hat on defense. Only about eight steals per game. That's relatively solid, but it's not like they're necessarily dominant with that aspect. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Tyler Perry for this North Texas team. Typically comes off the bench, shoots 48% from three, 93% the free-throw line. North Texas overall, they shoot 32% from distance, but you are going to need to get a little bit more out of guys like Ruben Jones out there in the backcourt, and I'm going to call what it is. I was expecting Jaime Wright to have a really big season for this team. He's only played in five games. Has not been seen pretty much in about a month. Has been a big, giant bust for this I And then you've got Mardes McBride, who's been able to give you right around 8.5 points per game, but he has scored 8 or fewer in 3 out of the last 4 for this team. Last year shot 41% for 3, only about 31% this season. So I do think that Rice is going to be able to knock down some 3s. I think that you do wind up seeing some late game falling, which is going to be pushing this total over, set this total at 134. And when it comes to Rice, set them is more around a 5-point underdog, so wanted we'll to take the points. 695, 696 on the betting board. You've got Ball State, and they're going to be playing us a Bowling Green. Bowling Green is a 2.5 point favorite, and your total on this game, you're finding it anywhere between a 156 and a 156. 6.5. Bowling Green is a really fast saying team in that they're looking to overcome not having Mr. Justin Turner down for what who was really a key cog for the team last year so I actually wound up saying them as a little bit of an underdog in this spot. When it comes to ball state, this has actually been the top over team since the beginning of the 2020 21 season so they certainly have been able to cash quite a few overs there but this isn't necessarily a team that is the most efficient in the world. Meanwhile, you take a look at Bowling Green and they have been dealing with a couple of injuries. When it comes to the backcourt, you've got a Bowling Green team that is turning the ball over right around 13.5 times per game. They do shoot 75% the free throw line with Taquan Plowden doing a nice job. 15 and a half points, 7 rebounds per game. And then you take a look at the 6.5 rebounds and right around 10.5 points per game. Uh, Joe Reese, and that is rock solid, but Kaden Menethy has been a little bit up and down, wound up dealing with a couple of ailments, straight digs, and certainly had his ups and downs as well. A guy that's been able to give you right around 9 points per game four rebounds, shooting about 33% for 3-point range, so hasn't necessarily been the best of years, hasn't necessarily been the worst of years there, but you were also expecting to have out there on the floor, Caleb Fields, a guy that has yet to play all season long. I thought that he was going to be able to give the team some facilitation. And then you take a look at Paul State, and Luke Bumbleau has been able to give you 12.5 points, shooting 40 percent from three-point range. Overall, Ball State, they shoot 38 percent from distance, but the 14 turnovers per game have hurt them a little bit. You've got Marion Thomas, who's able to give you nine and a half points, four boards per game, shooting 38 percent from three-point range. And then I do like the fact that you wind up bringing in a guy from the Mac and Tyler Cochran, who winds coming in from Northern Illinois, 10 and a half points, five and a half rebounds. So that's been able to fortify things a little bit down low along Peyton Sparks, who's been able to give the team six rebounds per game. I do think that Ball State is going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low. This is a Bowling Green team that a lot was expected out of them. The backcourt has just been a little bit disjointed with Samari Curtis right now leading the way with 3.1 assists per game, and I do think that Ball State is going to be able to hold up on defense. They've been able to do a tad bit of a better job recently. They haven't played since Christmas, but I do think that they're going to be able to wrench it up with regards to the defense. Bowling Green looks a little bit disjointed on offense. So set this total at 151.5. I'm going to be taking a look at the under, and I'm willing to take Ball State on the money line. We move on to 697, 698 on the betting board. Wake Forest hits the road to face off against Miami. Miami is a 1.5 point home favorite and your tallest game is they were team 149 at 150. We have seen Wake Forest play quite a bit faster this season, but I wound up saying this sort of more around a 145. It's a Wake Forest team that is relatively efficient, but with that said, they've also been able to do a relatively solid job on defense, and then when it comes to this Miami team, they are not necessarily a Blazer. They have been relatively efficient, as you've had Isaiah Wong along Cam Magussi really be the heart and soul of this team. With Magussi, he has been the main three-point shooter for this team, shooting about 40% for three-point range, 18.5 points, 6 rebounds per game. Wong more around 16 points. Four boards. Both of these guys give you two assists per game. And Charlie Moore has really been the main facilitator. Three and a half assists. Ten and a half points per game. So he's been able to do a nice job there. And for Miami, to their credit, even though they don't necessarily play super fast, just ten turnovers per game. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Wake Forest and it's been Williams and Williamson who's been able to get the job done for this team. Alondes Williams has come in from Oklahoma and he has been absolutely terrific for this team. A guy that's averaging a little bit over 20 points per game and then when it comes to Williamson he winds up following his coach Steve Forbes from East Tennessee State and he has been one of the better sharpshooters for this team. 13.5 points per game, shooting 38% per 3 Alondes Williams, chips in there at 6.5 rebounds per game and 5 assists per contest. You've got to Wake for a scene that they've been able to do a solid job of being efficient. 12.5 turnovers per game, 74% at the free throw the line. You've got a guy in Isaiah Musias who's a good mixer and shaker for this team. Nine points, three and a half boards. You've also got Dallas Wallen, who's 7 feet tall, giving you 5.5 boards and a block and a half per game. I think that this team is going to be able to win from within for Miami. You do have Sam Wardenberg, guy that stands right around six foot ten-ish, Has been able to shoot right around 40% for 3-point range, but only gives you right around 6 points per game. I do think that Wake Forest has the X-Factors and just a little bit more scoring in general. Should be able to win the battle down low. So I did wind up saying Wake Forest as the favorite in the spot. Willing to take them on the money line as I want to setting them as a three point favorite. And with regards to the total, set it at a 145. So I'm going to be diving under, and I'm going to be taking the money line of Wake Forest. As we move on to game number six ninety nine, seven hundred on the betting board. New Mexico State is going to be playing us to Chicago State. Shy State is finding themselves a twenty three and a half point road underdog, and your tallest game is one thirty five and a half. And when it comes to Chicago State. This has been a team that has played much better this year. You've got to give them credit there. I think that this is a terrible spot for them. I set them as a 29-point underdog. You've got a New Mexico State team that is one of the more versatile and more underrated teams in all of college basketball. Serge Javari Rice has been able to do a very nice job down low for this team, a guy that is able to do a good job of be able to have things flow, a guy that's able to give you right around five rebounds per game. So he checks all the boxes for the team and for Chicago State. They had to go with a seven-man rotation in their last game. They wound up having, in his first game of the season, Ali Abdu Tiba give you 21.7 rebounds off the bench against Grand Canyon to be able to help the team get the cover. I just don't think you're gonna be able to get that to reduplicate itself. You do have Corian Russian who's able to give you seven and a half rebounds per game. He's been solid and then got a pair of guys shooting between 35 and 36% from three-point range and Jay Sean Corbett along with Brandon Betson. They are combining for 24.5 points per game. Corbett is able to give you seven boards per game. You really don't have a lot of facilitation with the team and 17 turnovers per game to uh, couple with 63.5% free throw shooting. That is not great. Meanwhile... Teddy Allen, the transfer from Nebraska has been terrific for this New Mexico State team. 18 points, 7 boards, only shooting about 30% from 3 New Mexico State as a collective. 31.9% from 3-point range, 73.5% at the free throw line, but I do think that they're going to do a good job of being able to share the sugar. This is a team that they average right around 15 assists per game. You got a lot of guys that give you right around 5-6 to six rebounds per game, like a Will McNair Jr. to be able to chip in there. 8 points, right around 6 rebounds per game. This is a team that they've been dealing with in ailment to Donnie Tilma, but even without him in the fold, this team has been rock solid, so I did wind up saying New Mexico State as a 29-point favorite in the spot. Won't lay the points. New Mexico State, relatively solid defensive team, a team that doesn't necessarily play slow, doesn't necessarily play fast. I think that Chicago State is just going to be too sloppy to help with this over. So set the total at 133 as well. So going to be taking a look at the under 701, 702. Duke and Notre Dame is postponed, so we go to 703, 704. Cincinnati, we are on to Cincinnati, and they're playing us at Tulane. Tulane is a 10-point underdog, and your tallest game is hanging between 133 and a half and 134. And when it comes to Cincinnati. Set them as a 10.5 point favorite, so I am willing to lay it when it comes to this Bearcats team with Cincinnati. I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to force Tulane into some turnovers, and it's a two-lane team that has been relatively effective in not doing that. Right around 11.7 turnovers per game, you do have the guys up front that have been able to do a nice job for this team, as you've got Jalen Forbes and Jalen Cook. These two guys have been able to combine for right in the neighborhood of about 35 points per game, so they have been able to do a nice job there. With Cook, you wound up having 25 points in that win over Memphis, and this is a two-lane team that they do shoot 36.5% from three-point range. Forbes shoots right around 37% from distance. Cook more on 46.5% from three-point range. You don't necessarily have to save a lot of rebounding for the team. Tyler Pope has missed a few games. He's only been able to get the team four boards per game. Kevin Cross 14 points, five and a half rebounds, and three and a half assists per game to his credit. But with Cincinnati, I feel like this is a team that they've really taken on the mindset set of Wes Miller playing some very good gritty defense. They only turn the ball over 10 times per game. They are not a team that generates a lot of sales right around 6.5 per contest, but you are able to get right around 4.5 blocks for this team. Abdul Ado only gives you 3 points, 5 rebounds per game, but he is a good rim protector. You've been able to have Jeremiah Davenport be able to step up with 12 and a half points per game along with David DeJulius. DeJulius only turns the ball over right around 1.3 times per game. And then Micah Adams-Woods, 3.5 assists per game. Not a great 3-point shooter, but has been able to do a good job of be able to help this offense home a little bit more. And then when it comes to down low, you're able to get right around 5.5 rebounds out of Victor Lehman as well. I think that that is going to be a big X factor for Cincinnati. I think that they're going to be able to control the glass. Got a two-lane team that's looking to play very much up-tempo. It's Cincinnati team content with playing slow. With Cincinnati they do shoot only 67% free-throw line, but I do think that they're going to be able to control this game. I think that they're going to have turnovers turn into buckets for them. So I did wind up saying this total at 134. So you're at 133.5. Wanted to take a look at the over. And with Cincinnati, won't lay the 10-year pretty much nothing more than 10, but Won a late time with Cincinnati. Got a pair of postponed games from the West Coast Conference. 7-5, 7-6, and 7-7, 8 Gonzaga and Loyola Marymount and San Francisco and St. Mary's. No money to be made here. So we go to 7-0-9, 7-10 on the betting board as we've got Oral Roberts playing us to Omaha. Omaha is finding themselves an 18-point underdog, with your total between 150 and 151, and when it comes to Oral Roberts, I want to say them as a pretty sizable favorite in this spot of 24 and a half points when it comes to Oma, This is a team that, with regards to both offensive and defensive efficiency, one of the worst teams in all of college basketball, and last year, Max Asmus was the top scorer in all of college basketball, being a to average right around 24 and a half points per game. It took him a little bit of a while to be able to pick things up without having Kevin O'Banner to be able to help him out, but still, he has been able to do a rock-solid job this year I see he's been able to give the team a little bit over 21 points per game, and Oral Roberts has a collective has been one of the best three-point shooting teams at all of college basketball. Shooting 39% for three, 73% at the free-throw line. You've really got each out of your top four scorers for this Oral Roberts team shooting above 42% for three, and each out of your top six scorers shooting at least 36% for three. Francis Laces only gives you right around seven points per game, but 7.2 rebounds per game. And then I like what you're able to get out of Kareem Thompson, a... Guy that just does a great job of doing the little things seven points, six and a half rebounds, a steal per game, and then for Oma Felix. Lamenti has been able to give you right around 10.5 points per game, so he's been able to chip in there a little bit of scoring, shooting 39.5% from three-point range, but you got nothing down low for this team. You're able to get eight points and four and a half rebounds out of Kyle Lutke. He has been able to shoot 37% per three. For Omaha, they do shoot 35% per three. Problem is, 14 turnovers per game, not necessarily an up-tempo team, and they just don't defend the three. They don't defend down low. They don't get any rebounds. This is a team that they don't force steals as well, so this is an Oral Roberts team that is going to be able to do whatever they want on offense. As a result, I did wind up making this total a 154.5. Oral Roberts right around 100th with regards to possessions per game. I think that they're going to be really, really efficient in this game. Oma, you just take a look at this defense and it has really been letting them down recently as this is a bunch that they have given up at least 78 points at each out of their last five games. Meanwhile, it's an Oral Roberts team that has really found their scoring touch, scoring at least 76 points at every one of their conference games. So I think that Oral Roberts is going to be able to take it to Oma. Wind up saying Oral Roberts has a 24.5 point favorite. Won't delay it here and I'm going to be taking a look at the over as I said sold at 154.5. 7-11, 7-12 on the betting board. Virginia hits the road face off against Syracuse. Syracuse has signed themselves a 4-point home favorite, and your tallest game is anywhere between 128 and 129, and for Virginia, I have soured on them big time. 6.5-point favorite is what I want to make in Syracuse. actually like what I've seen out of them recently. You've got Bayheim Cubed. Jim Bayheim, Jimmy Bayheim, and Buddy Bayheim, all doing a great job for the team with Buddy. Top scorer, 19 points per game, 3.5 assists. Only shooting about 31% per 3, but makes any 1% of his free throws. Syracuse as a collective, shooting 37 and a half percent per three, 46.5 percent overall from the floor and 73 percent. The free throw line as Jimmy Bayheim shoots 41 percent per distance, 14.5 points per game. Down low, you've got Cole Swider along Jesse Edwards, both giving you between 6.5 and 7 rebounds per game. They are combining for about 25 points per game as well. And then Joe Gerard, 4.8 assists, the 3.3 turnovers. That is a little bit tough, but you've got a Virginia team that they're not necessarily doing a great job of being able to generate turnovers. And with regards to defensive efficiency, this is the worst defense that we've seen from Virginia really in the last 10 years. They're a team that they don't turn the ball over very much, but they only shoot about 32% from three-point range. Armand Franklin shooting 20% from distance with half points per game. It has been a very rough go of it for him. You take a look at Jaden Gardner, and he does a good job down low. 15 points, eight rebounds per game, and you have been able to get right around three blocks per game out of Kaden Shedrick. So he's been able to do a little bit of defending there, but this is just a Virginia team that they don't have the pieces on offense. They have not been able to do a great job when it comes to their defending as well. Now you do have Kia Clark along three Speakman being able to combine for about eight and a half assists per game. Beekman gives you 7.5 points per game and Clark does shoot 40% for 3 point range and Virginia does shoot seventy one and a half percent at the free throw line, but I think that this is going to be a rough go of it. I think that Syracuse is going to be able to light it up from 3. I think that it's going to be another patented slow Virginia game but with Virginia, they need to knock down their threes to be able to hang in this game against Syracuse because that's where you really need to hurt them and I just don't think that they're going to be able to do so. Set this all at 126.5 diving under and with Syracuse I want to lay 6.5 with them, so I'm going to be laying the points. 713-714 postponed game between Murray State and Tennessee Tech, so we move on. 7-15, 16 on the banking board. Oklahoma is going to be playing us to Kansas State. Kansas State is an 8-2 and 8 an half point underdog with your total on this game. 128, and I wanted to this line at 8 myself. I'm taking a look at the 8 halfs, and I want to take the points here when it comes to Kansas State, because with Kansas State, you've actually been able to see a relatively spirited effort of the team recently, especially from Nigel Peck. He has been a very good guard for this team. He has one of the better sharpshooters that you're going to find in all of college basketball. 15 points, 2 and a half assists, shooting 44% from 3-point range. Doesn't turn the ball over very much. 15 plus points in 4 of the team's last 5 games. So he has really been able to come to play for the Seaman. A combined 3 turnovers in the last 4 games as well. You take a look at Oklahoma and I do like Tanner Groves. Groves has been terrific. 14 points, 6 boards. His brother has been a little bit out of sorts with just 3.5 points per game, and for Tanner Groves, shooting 40.5% from 3-point range for an Oklahoma team that they shoot 75% percent free line, 36% from 3. I do think that this is going to be an Oklahoma team that as the season goes along, they're going to be slowing things down a little bit, trying to implement that Porter Mosier style, but I feel like they're in a little bit of transition right now. Umaja Gibson shoots 40% for three, 99% percent free line with his 12 points per game. Elijah Harkless had been a little bit helpless towards the beginning of the season, but now he's averaging 10 points per game. Has really been able to kick things up recently. I like the way that he's been able to develop into this system. At least he assists in each other team's last three games. has good versatility, but for Kansas State, I do think that they're going to be able to remain live in this game. You got a guy, Mark Smith, at the guard spot. has been able to give you 9.5 points, right around 8 points per game, shooting 30 37% from three point range and then Marquise Noel. Five assists. Four rebounds. Not a great three point shooter, but has been able to do a great job of being able to flow the offense. Eight plus assists in three of the team's last four games gives you a little bit over two seals per game. And then you've also got a six foot nine combo player in Ismail Musad, giving you eight points and 36% three point shooting. I want to make in this line eight, so at eight willing to take the points with Kansas State. Set the total on at 130 and a half. I do think that you wind up getting some late game following. You got a Kansas State team that they shoot 74% in the free throw line themselves. So taking a look at the over as well. 717, 718 on the banging board. Montana is going to be playing us a Weber State. Weber State is finding themselves as a 1-2 to two point underdog and your tallest game is 142.5 and when it comes to Montana, wind up saying them as a little bit more of a favorite of 2 points in this spot. So now seeing this line go to 1-1.5, one slash one and a half, I'm going to be willing to take a look here. Even at the 2, I'd be willing to lay it before I'd be willing to take it personally because you do have a Montana team that is very sure-handed at the free throw line. I think that that's very important when you do wind up taking a look at these tight spreads. And you do have a guy in Cameron Parker who's been able to get the team well over 5 assists per game. You wound up having like 20 assists in a game earlier this season. It's set a D1 record while he was at Sacred Heart with 24 assists in a contest. So this is a guy that's really able to dish it out. Only turns ball over 1.8 times per game. Shooting about 30% from three-point range. Scoring is not necessarily his forte, but that's why you've got Josh Bannon, the guy who's right around 6'9", giving the team 12 points, 8 rebounds per game, shooting 43% from three. Overall, Montana, 80.5% free-throw shooting team, 35.7% from three-point range, 9.5 turnovers per game, so very disciplined team. Meanwhile, you've got a Weber State team that they're coming off a very nice road win a few days ago with Coach be McEwen right now leading the team with 17 points, 4.5 boards, shooting 37% per 3, but Weber State, one of the top 3 point shooting teams at all of college basketball last year, shooting just 32% for distance. Now, they do make 74% of their free throws, which I think is very important, but also got a Montana team that is one of the slowest in all of college basketball. Weber State, they're not necessarily looking to play up-tempo. They are a team that's relatively efficient. Each other top five scorers as well. They all give you at least one steal per game, so they do a good job of being a pick but you don't have a lot of depth when it comes to this team. Dante Bassett has only played in three games, one of missing the last game for the team, you've seen Zaire Porter regress a little bit. Last year, he had 12 points per game. This year, is 7.4 points per game, and he's given the team a grand total of 11 points in the last four contests. On jameson Overton, he's been able to shoot 40% from distance, 12 points, three and a half rebounds per game for the transfer from Utah Valley, and you do have a double-double machine in Dylan Jones, 13 points, 10 boards, one and a half steals per game, so he's been able to do a good job. But I do think that Montana is going to be able to do a good job in the interior. And I do like the fact that you've got a lot of good sharpshooters for this team. You've got a guy in Brandon Whitney. Is be able to give you 9.5 points per game. Robbie Beasley shooting thirty-seven a half percent per distance with 10 points per game. I think that's going to be just enough for Montana to be able to get by. I think that Montana gets their pace. Take a look at the underset this subtle more around a one thirty-three and won't delay the two-year with Montana, especially the one as well. So taking a look at Montana. 7.19, 7.20 on the betting board. Southern Utah is going to be playing us in Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado is finding themselves as a six uh, 6.5 point underdog. Tallest game is anywhere between 146.5 and, and 147.5 and, and when it comes to Southern Utah, I want to make them an 8 point favorite. When it comes to Southern Utah, I do think that they are going to be able to do a good job of being able to get on the interior with Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado. They do everything possible to be able to shut down the three-point arc, but this is a team that really, other than Kerr Junkic, who able to give you nine rebounds per game, can be added down low. With Junkich, he has been able to give the team right around nine and a half points per game, and for Northern Colorado, they shoot well from distance. As a collective, 37.8% from three, about 70% at the free-throw line. Dallin Counts has really been able to lead the way. 19 points, two and a half assists, a little bit over a seal per game, and then you've been able to get right around three and a half assists, 13 points per game out of Matt Johnson, who's shooting 38% from distance. Body Hume, though, he's really taken some steps back. Last year, he was Mr. Do-It-All. 16 points, 7 rebounds, 1.2 blocks, 1.2 steals per game, and down to 10.5 points, and a 32% 3-point shooting percentage this season. Meanwhile, you take a look at Southern Utah, and John Knight, the third, has really been versatile for this team. 15.5 points, 4 boards, 3.5 assists, 2 steals per game. Got a Southern Utah team that they only shoot about 30.5% from 3-point range, but they do a good job of being able to dominate the paint, each out of the top 4 scorers, and for that matter, 6 out of the top seven scores for the Southern Utah team all give you more than four rebounds per game. So they rebound by committee. You've got A.M. Moody, who's been able to shoot 44% from three-point range, and then Dre Marin has been able to shoot about 38% from three, 92% of the free throw line to go 12 points per game, and then Mason Fawcett. 11.5 points, 8.7 rebounds per game. This is a team that I think is going to be able to bludgeon Northern Colorado on the glass be able to get those second and third chances. I think that they're going to be pushing tempo as well, so I did wind up saying this sold on 144. I do think that it's going to be an intriguing spot when it comes to the total because with Southern Utah, they aren't necessarily the best at being able to hit open threes, but I do think that they're going to be able to get the ball down the line. I think that they're going to do a good job of being able to force Northern Colorado out of their game. Northern Colorado, a bunch of, they turn the ball over right around 13 and a half times per game, and they just don't force any seals whatsoever, so this is a spot in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under with my total set at 144, and one will lay up to 8 here when it comes to Southern Utah. We move on to 721, 722 on the betting board. You've got New Mexico, and they're going to be in the road to face off against Nevada. Nevada's find themselves a 10 and a half to an 11 point favorite, and your total this game is 158.5. Got a lot going on with the guards of this game. Also seeing a straight 159.5 out there as well, but got a lot going on because Jethro Muscatin, who was really one of the main low post players for this New Mexico team. Very serious car accident. He has actually been fighting for his life. So you feel nothing but bad for both he and this New Mexico team, everyone that's trying to fight through it. And it can go one of two ways. Either New Mexico winds up giving you just a spirited effort. They wind up being able to win this game outright or they come out flat. They just look completely rudderless, and I just think that this is going to be a really tough spot for them, as unfortunate as it is. You've got Jamal Mashburn Jr. doing a good job for the team. He's been able to give the team 18.5 points, shooting only about 31% from three. Overall, New Mexico, they shoot 75% free-throw line, 33% from three-point range. You've been able to get a lot of production out of the... Arizona State transfer in Jalen House. How about 16.5 points, 4.5 assists, 2.2 steals per game. This is a New Mexico team that they only turn the ball over 11 times per game as well and then you take a look at Nevada and it is a case of which you've got two star guards, Grant Shurfield, Desmond, Cambridge. These two guys have been able to combine for 37 points, a little bit over 9 rebounds. You've got Sherfield giving you 6.5 assists per game. Both of these guys shoot 37% from 3-point range, so they've been rock solid. Nevada, they shoot 77.5% at the free throw line. You've also got a lot of good size. 7-footers in Will Baker, along with Warren Washington. These two guys both give you between 11 and 12 points per game. Washington more around six boards and a block and half contest. Baker is able to stretch the floor, shooting 46.5% from three-point range. Ever since A.J. Brahma wound up leaving the program, there has been no drama with this program, and they've been able to do a much better job for New Mexico. Without having in down low, it certainly is going to be a little bit tough for them to be able to win the battle. On the last, you've got to figure that Jay Allen Tovar is going to be seeing some more men at foot player that has been able to give this team a double-digit amount of rebounds in two out of the last four games. But I think that this is just a brutal situation for New Mexico. At the 159.5, I'd be taking a look at the under. I wanted to my total at 158.5. So if we wind up seeing this dip down to like a 157, I'd be willing to take a look at the over. Otherwise, I'll probably be taking a look at this 159.5 under. But with Nevada, I wanted to sing them as a 12.5 point favorite. New Mexico's been a team that I've loved to bet all season long. I think that this is just a bad situation for them, uh, for things that are just. Frankly, out of their control. So, one to lay it here with Nevada, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under on 159 and a half, 723, 724 on the betting board. Dixie State is going to be playing against Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian is finding themselves a nine point favorite with your total on this game 152, and for Abilene Christian, set them as an 11 point favorite with Abilene Christian. This is actually a top 10 team in all of college basketball with regards to possessions per game, and they're going up against a Dixie State team that themselves are in the top 40 with regards to possessions per game. The problem for Dixie State is you just don't have anyone that is going to be able to do a great job to be able to take care of the ball. Abilene Christian, one of the best teams with regards to being able to force turnovers in all of college basketball. Dixie State, they turn the ball over 14 and a half times per game. Now for Dixie State, Frank Saini shooting 43% per three-point range with nine points per game. You also get nine points and right around 38% three-point shooting. Uh, Dancel Letter as well and then Hunter Schofield. has been able to get the team right around five rebounds at 13 and a half points per game, but with Abilene Christian undefeated in the month of December And it's a case in which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. You've got Mekhi Morris along carry-on Mason, who have both been able to give you between 10.8 and 12 points per contest. you got these two guys combining to be able to shoot 40% for three. Evelyn Christian as a collective. They shoot 34% per distance and got good by-committee rebounding when it comes to this team as well. And then you've got Reggie Miller. No, not the guy from the Pacers, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to facilitate the offense. Two and a half assists, two steals, four and a half boards, six points per game. So, I do like the way that he's been able to step up for this team. You don't necessarily have as much size as you wound up having last season with this team, but and they are forcing 12.3 steals per game. They have been absolutely tenacious. They're able to go north of 10 deep with regards to their rotations. I think that Dixie State is going to try to run with them. I think that they're going to be forced into a bunch of turnovers. It's going to lead to some very easy points for Abilene Christian. So I'm willing to lay double digits here with Abilene Christian. Set them as an 11 point favorite. Made this total 155 as well. So I'm going to be going over and I'm willing to lay here with Abilene Christian. Trio postponed games. 725-726. Portland BYU. 727-728. Portland State. Idaho. 729-730. Cal Poly. Cal State Fullerton. All postponed. We go to 731-732 on the betting board. CSUN, Cal State Northridge is going to be hitting the road to face off against UC San Diego. San Diego is finding themselves between an 8 and 8.5 point favorite with your total on this game. I mean, and, and 132, and I wanted sending San Diego as a 13 point favorite. This is a San Diego team that Looked very impressive in their win, being able to come back against EC Santa Barbara. Now Santa Barbara, as we all know, wound up completely pooping the bed in that game. If you wound up like me, having Santa Barbara. But with that said, Tony Romoacch has been able to do a great job with this San Diego team. He's been able to give the team 15 points, seven boards overall. San Diego shooting 38.5% from three-point range, 14 turnovers per game. A little bit unsightly, but you've got a team that's knocking down their free throws, shooting 73.5% at the free throw line. You've got out of your top nine scorers, eight guys shooting at least 71.4%. At at the free-throw line. you have got a good glue guy in Jake Killingsworth, who winds coming in from Columbia. 6 points, 4.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists per game. A guy that shoots right around 42.5% for 3-point range. And then for CSUN, Eton Wright has been able to give you 12.5 points per game, so he's been able to do a nice job there. You've got Omar Osi, who winds coming in from Fordham. He's been able to give the team right around 9 points per game. Overall, though, CSUN, they shoot 29% from 3. To their credit, they do shoot 74.5% at the free-throw line, but I have no idea what's happened with Darius Brown the second. He was very good for the team last year. Seems like he's dealing with an ailment he's probably not going to be out there on the floor, and even when he has been out there, he has seen a big dip with regards to his production. Last year, average 5.3 assists and half points per game. This year, 6.4 points and 1.7 assists per game in the 7 games that he's actually played. So, that has been very tough for this team, and then more was expected out of Northern Illinois transfer Darius being a guy that's been able to give the team 5 points, 3.5 rebounds. You take a look at him, and he's been able to up his production a little bit. He's been able to give the team 8 plus points in 4 of the team's last 5 games, but only shooting about 29% between himself. Season has really cranked down there, Tempo UC San Diego. They're one of these slower teams in all of college basketball as well. They're just really efficient. So, didn't mind if saying the subtle 127. I'm going to be diving under him for CSUN. I think that they're going to be turning the ball over left and right. I think that San Diego is going to be able to knock down some threes. We'll want to lay up to 13 here with the train. So, laying the points and taking a look at the under. Some 33, some 34 on the banking board. Oregon is going to be playing us Utah. Utah is a five point underdog in your total on this game. Is anywhere between 141 and 141 in and half. And when it comes to Oregon, I want to sing them as a nine point favorite. It's an Oregon team that has really shifted down their tempo, and for this Utah team, they rank in the bottom one under with regards to possessions per game as well, but with Oregon, what I think is going to be very key, Will Richardson being the best guard out there on the floor. Guy that's been able to give you 12.5 points, 3.6 assists, has cut down on the turnover, and is out shooting 41.5% from 3-point range, and then Davion Hartman is out shooting about 38.5% from distance. He's been able to give you 10 points per game for Oregon. They only turn the ball over 12 times per game, so they're relatively efficient there. Big thing has been free throw shooting. 66.7% at the free throw line. Meanwhile, you take a look at Utah, and down low, you do have a guy that I like in Braden Carlson, a 7-footer, who is able to shoot threes at right around a 30.5% flip has be able to give the team 13.5 points 6.5 rebounds per game, wound up missing a couple games due to health and safety protocols. Returned against Oregon State at 9.9 rebounds. Did also have 4 turnovers and fouled out of that game. So he looked a little bit rusty. Now you've got David Jenkins, a guy that's able to shoot 43.5% for distance, 12.5 points per game. Utah's a collective 78% free throw shooting team, 34% from 3-point range. You don't necessarily turn the ball over a lot, but they don't force turnovers. They don't put any pressure on you whatsoever. 4.2 turnovers per game. Marco Anthony is able to give the team 8.7 boards per game. Wound up dealing with a little bit of an ailment, but he's back in the fold. And then Raleigh Worcester has been give you right around 3.5 assists per game, shooting 35.5% from 3-point range, but 8 points for fewer in each of the team's last 5 games. Hasn't turned the ball over, but when it comes to Oregon, I think that they're going to get a tempo of very, very slow. I think that they're going to be relying upon their defense with someone like Quincy Garrier. Being able to give you 5.5 rebounds looked very rough at the beginning of the year. Has been able to come to the forefront and been able to do a little bit better. And in Folly Dante as well, he wound up beginning of the year injured. I think that he's going to be able to give the team a little bit more moving forward at least 5 rebounds and now 4 out of the team's last 5 games. A guy that I think could be a good shot Blocker, so we'll lay up to nine here with Oregon. I think that Dana Altman is going to get this team online, so I'm willing to lay the points. And With this total, set it at a 131.5, so I'm going to be diving under. New York post play today is up as we've got 735, 736 on the bang board. George Mason is going to be hitting the road face off against Kansas. Kansas between a 19 to a 19 and a half point favorite, and your total on this game is 145.5. I want up making George Mason a 12.5-point underdog, so I'm going to be looking to take the points and that is the New York Post play of the day. When it comes to this George Mason team, they certainly do rely upon the three ball. They're right around 30th in all of college basketball with regards to the percentage of points that they wind up getting from made threes, but they also prevent second chances. Opponents are getting a rebound on 19% of their missed shots. That ranks in the top 10 in all of college basketball. You've got a Kansas team that has been a little bit hit or miss on the glass. Now, I do like the way that David McCormick has been playing recently at that double-double against St. John's a few weeks ago. Nine points, five and a half rebounds per game Jalen Wilson. Right around 5.5 points, 5.5 rebounds per game, and then you've got a duo in Remy Martin and Oshay ogbaji Combining to shoot 44% per distance, Remy Martin right around 11 points, 3.3 assists per game to get you buzzed up, and Ogbaji has legitimately been an All-American candidate. One of the best on-ball defenders in college basketball, 21.5 points, 4.5 rebounds per game, but when it comes to George Mason, I feel like you're going to have the coach of this team wind up having a big chip on his shoulder. Kim English never won when he was at Missouri playing on the road against Kansas, was able to knock off Kansas in Missouri, but never on the road. And Josh O'Duru, I think, is going to be able to help with that cost. 15 and a half points, seven rebounds, a guy with size that shoots threes relatively okay at right around thirty nine percent from three. Now you've got Devon Cooper who wanted coming in from Morehead State, that team that made the NCAA tournament. 13 points per game while shooting 39% from distance and Deshaun Schwartz saying six foot seven, say we'll give the team 14.5 points, 5 boards. He's shooting 37.5% from distance. George Mason overall makes 36% of their threes. They don't really turn the ball over a lot. 12.5 turnovers per game. You've got a Kansas team that has been one of the best over teams in all of college basketball. I think that they played just one under this year. I want to say this total at 148.5. I think that that trend is going to continue. So, Taking a look at the over because I do think that George Mason hits some shots. I think the Kansas will be able to pull away late. I like their overall offense but I think George Mason hangs in there. Set this as a 12.5 point line. New York Post play of the day is George Mason catching the points and also taking the total as well. This is the last game on the normal Las Vegas betting board before we hit the extra game. 737-738 on the betting board. Akron is going to be playing us at Buffalo. Buffalo is a 1-1.5 one to one and a half point road favorite and your total loss game is 143 and when it comes to Akron, I wound up setting them as a 4 point underdog. When it comes to Akron they have cranked down their tempo a little bit this year. They've been trying to rely upon defense. Meanwhile, Buffalo as they always do, they are playing at a very frenetic pace and I do think that Buffalo is going to be able to get their style in this game. Buffalo had a very good first half against Miami of Ohio and then they wound up pooping the bed in the second half. But I take a look at this Buffalo team and I do think that they're going to be able to come out and have a big performance here with Jonathan Williams being able to give the team 18.5 points, 5.5 rebounds. Overall, Buffalo only shoots about 33.5% from 3, but their top 3 scores with Williams along with Ronaldo Segu and Josh Mbala all shooting at least. 35.5% per three-point range. Umbala, 15 points, 8.5 rebounds, a block per game. And then Segu is able to give you 15.5 points per game. Now, free throw shooting was bad for Buffalo in their last game. Overall, they shoot 69% of the free throw line, but Macy Jack is a guy that shoots 91% of the free throw line. I think that he's going to be key for this team. The depth isn't necessarily the world's greatest with Buffalo, but when it comes to Akron, you don't necessarily have a lot outside of Ali, Ali, Ali along with Enrique Freeman. Freeman, 12.5 points, 11.5 rebounds per game, and Ali Ali shoots 45% from three, two and a half assists, 12.5 points per game. These guys have been terrific, but KJ Walton has been out of the fold for this team. You've got Greg Tribble be dealing with a couple of ailments as well, so that is a little bit of an issue for this Akron team. Now, you've got Xavier Casaneda who's able to give you 11 points, two and a half assists, shooting 42% from three. Overall, Akron shoots 35.5% from per distance, but if this is a tight game late, which I think it's going to be, they shoot 64% at the free throw line, and I think that that could cost them in a very, very big way. You've got an Akron team that... When it comes to guys like Mikael Dawson and company, they have not been able to get the job done coming in off the bench. So I think that this is a good spot for Buffalo. Wanda making this total a 146 as I do think that you're going to get late game following in this game. So taking a look at the over, Set Buffalo is a four point favorite. So won't delay it here. Now we hit the extra games. The normal betting board picks are complete, but there are some extra games today. So we go into the bonus. We've got all Patriot League action aside from a random game with Rutgers as well. So here we go a 306-001, 306 Boston U is going to be playing as a Bucknell. The Racket Bust and Bison are an 11 point underdog. And your on this game is 141.5, seeing an 11.5 out there as well. And when it comes to. Boston i I'm willing to lay the 11 to 11.5. 11 I wound up send them as a 12-point favorite. When it comes to Bucknell, this is a team that they're starting to find a little bit more down low. You had Andre Screen wind up dealing with a little bit of an ailment, so they've been turning a little bit more to Alex Timmerman, a guy that's able to give you 7 rebounds right around 11 points per game. He's been able to do a pretty solid job for this team. Approximately 6 rebounds in each of the team's last 5 games, but When it comes to Bucknell, this is a team that they are one of the worst teams with regards to defensive efficiency in all of college basketball. A team that they themselves shoot 36% for three, 80.5% the free throw line with the Funk, Andrew Funk, being able to give you 37% three-point shooting, 17 points per game. You've had Xavier Rice be able to give you 12 points, right around three and a half points per game as well, but you take a look at the flip side and what you're able to get out of Boston U, and despite the fact that Walter White, W-H-Y-T-E has been dealing with ailment, he's only been able to play five games this season. This has been a team that has been very good out there in the backcourt, Javante McCoy, 17.5 points, Gene assists, shooting 51% for three overall. Boston U, 74.5% free throw shooting team. That's always been a bugaboo for this team. You've got a guy that has been able to do a nice job with just being able to contribute in a wide variety of ways. Six foot seven combo player, Fletcher in. He's been able to give you six and a half points, four and a half boards. He's been able to shoot 46% from three point range. Has really been able to come on strong for this team. And then you've got Sukmail Mathan, who has been able to chip in their nine and a half rebounds. Does a good job with 13 points per game. Boston U, one of the better defensive teams in all. College basketball. We've got a Bucknell team that's looking to gun it. We've got a Boston U team that's looking to play very slow. This is going to be a very early game, 10 a.m. Pacific time. I think that it favors the defense in this one. we we'll up saying the soldier has a result at 136, so diving under. and am willing to lay up to 12 here with Boston U still laying the points. 306003, 3 4 Lafayette and Colgate is postponed. We move to 306-005, of Holy Cross is going to be playing us in Navy. Navy is an 11.5 point road favorite, and your total last game is 130.5, and I said Navy is a 13.5 point favorite. Our U.S. Navy Academy has been able to do a great job of BL Force turnovers. Meanwhile, for Ole Cross, it is going to be up to Jerrell Gates to try to be able to bail this team out. He's been able to do a nice job down low for this team 7.7 rebounds, chipping in their 11.5 points per game. Actually, now shooting 37.5% from three point range as well. He's been able to give the team 11 plus sports in now three of the last five games, but in the other games, he combined six rebounds in those two, so a very much hit or miss player. And then take a look at Navy and Greg Summers doing a great job of being able to help out in the backcourt along John Carter Jr. These two guys combined to be able to give you 23 points, 10 rebounds, Summers 2.5 assists. Both guys give you 1.4 seals per game. As Navy overall, they give you right around seven seals per game, but for a team that has won the slower ones at all of college basketball, actually relatively solid now. They turn the ball over 14 times per game. You've got a Holy Cross team that they're generating right around 7 CLs per game, but with Holy Cross, they are just sloppy when it comes to being able to guard the three-point arc. So even though Navy is shooting right around 32% per distance, they should be able to knock them down. You do have a guy that is shooting 40 for distance with right around 13 points per game and Kyle Luch, who's been able to do a good job for the slowly cross team but really other than Mr. Martindale along with R.J. Johnson and Judson Martindale along with R.J. Johnson both being able to combine for right around 18 points per game. It's been a little bit barren for the team and for R.J. Johnson. He is a guy that is likely going to be out of the fold once again for this team. Someone who shot 34% from distance last year, down to about 24% this season, has been out due to ailments, so that winds up hurting the Holy Cross Crusade even more. I wound up saying Navy as a 13.5 point favorite, so won't delay the points. Set so this all at 125.5 as well. I think that Navy is going to get their style. I think that they're going to stymie Holy Cross, force them into a bunch of turnovers, so diving under and landed here with Navy. 306-007, 306-008. Army is going to be playing a Loyola, Maryland. Loyola is finding themselves a 2-point underdog, and you're for last game is 139 and with Loyola Maryland, set them as the 1.5 point favorite. When it comes to Army, I cannot trust in this team until they work on their free throw shooting. It has hurt them already this year. I think that it could hurt them once again in this spot. Army, shooting 58.3% at the free throw line. That is just absolutely unacceptable. You do have a guy in Jalen Rucker I like. He actually makes his free throws at 71%, 38.5% 3 point shooter, 4.5 boards, 15 points, and nearly 3 assists per game. You get 3 assists with Josh Caldwell as well. 13 points, 4 boards per game so he's been able to do a nice job, but really past that you got a lot of guys that they just don't give you a lot of scoring. You've got one good sharpshooter in Aaron Duart, but he only gives you right around 5 points per game, so that is a big giant issue for Army, and then you take a look at Loyal Maryland, and Cam Spencer is one of the most efficient players in all of college basketball. 15.5 points, 4 assists a 0.9 turnovers per game. Now, Loyal Maryland does turn the ball over right around 15.5 times per game themselves. They are a team that they shoot 68.5% at the free throw line, but I do think that they're going to be able to do a relatively solid job down low Golden DK has been able to give you only about 3.5 points per game but 6.8 rebounds per game so he has been able to do a terrific job there and then you take a look at the other backcourt piece for this team, Jalen Andrews 14 points, 4 boards. Guy that only shoots about 30% from 3 point range, but has given the team double figures in each of the team's last 4 games. He's been able to give the team quite a few seals as well. Averaging a little bit over a seal per contest for this team. So I do think that loyal Maryland with their 8.2 seals per game going to be able to force Army into some turnovers and that will be the difference in this game along with that free throw shooting. Set loyal Maryland as a, a 1.5 point favorite. Willing to take them on the money line. I do think that you wind up getting a little bit of a frenetic game. A game with a lot of fouling. So set this all at 145.5 as well. So going to be going over. 3 of 6 nine through a 10 you have got American and they're going to be playing a Lehigh. Mo Knox are a 2.5-point underdog with your total on this game, 138 and when it comes to American, I am feeling American today. I wind up saying them as a 4.5-point favorite. When it comes to American, Stacey Beckton Jr. I think has the possibility of being able to take over this game. A guy that's able to give you 14.5 points per game. Now, rebounding is an issue for American. You don't have a single guy giving you more than 5 boards per game, but Johnny O'Neal, 4.8 rebounds, 10 points per game. Shooting 39% per 3 is a six-foot-nine combo player. He has been able to do a nice job recently when it comes to the team. And then you take a look at the flip side for Lee you do have Evan Taylor has been able to give you right around 11.5 points per game. Lei is a collective. They actually were the top 3 point shooting team in all of college basketball 3 years ago. Now they're shooting about 31.5% per distance and turning the ball over 16.4 times per game. They've been without Marquise Wilson the last few games. A guy that's able to give you 11 points per game. Now Jamel Wilson is able to give you 12 points per contest. so He's able to do a good job and Dominic Peralin, though know, he only gives the team six points per game, six and a half rebounds, he's able to give you a little bit over a block per game as well, but when it comes to American, I think that the fact that Lehigh doesn't necessarily do the greatest job on the glass is certainly going to be able to help them out when it comes to American. This is a team that, with regards to steals per game, they force right around 6.5. They're not necessarily great at pickpocketing, but they themselves can make far fewer turnovers at right around 13.5. I think that that's going to bode very big. I think that this is going to be a relatively sloppy game. I want up saying the is 134 and a half 134.5 as a result. Going to be diving under and with American only way up to 4.5, so laying the points and we wrap things up with three hundred six You've got Central Connecticut State, and they're going to be hitting the road face off against Rutgers. Rutgers is finding themselves as a 21 and a half point favorite and your total on this game you're finding it at a 135 and a half. I originally had Central Connecticut State as a 20 and a half point underdog so I was looking at them anyway. After their performance, being able to pull off a nice win outright yesterday I want to say them more around an 18 and a half point underdog. I think that Pat Sellers actually has a little bit of something when it comes to the Central Connecticut State team. They've got a guy in Trey Mitchell that's able to give you right around 8 points per game so he's been able to come up very big for this team now, you take a look at Rutgers, and it has certainly been the best of times and the worst of times for this team. They do have Gio Baker back in the fold, a guy that wanted missing a couple games this season, and he's been able to do a solid job at the guard spot. Right around 11 points per game for assists. The three-point shooting has always been intermiss with him. He's shooting about 35% per distance, so um, has been dialing up a little bit there. Then you take a look at the combo of Ron Harper Jr. and Cliff Amarui. These guys do a relatively solid job combining to be able to give you 28 points, 15.5 rebounds per game. Harper Jr. is really the versatile one of these two. Amoruiz, a little bit more of a true low post defender in the traditional sense. Harper Jr. shooting 41% for three, but Rutgers as a collective, they shoot 31% for three, just 68% at the free throw line. And then you take a look at Central Connecticut State. And I like what I'm seeing out of Nigel Scantleberry. Scantleberry has been able to do a terrific job of being able to rein things in, a guy that has been able to give you right around 13 points per game. He wound up actually not playing in the game against St. Francis of Brooklyn, and yet they still got the job done. It's going to be questionable as to whether or not he's going to be playing in this game. It is assumed that he is not, but if he does that is a little bit of an added bonus because Andre Snooty has been able to step up for the team down low. Has been able to give you right around 7 rebounds per game. And then for Central Connecticut State the guy that was really able to step up in that game without Scantleberry, Ian Cresciannon. He was able to give the team 14 points, chipped in their four boards, a guy that's able to shoot in the mid-30s from three-point range. So, I do like what I'm seeing right now out of Central Connecticut State. They're really looking to grind games to a halt as well. So, set this all at 132, diving under, and made Rutgers an 18-and-a-half-point favorite. So, going to be taking a look at the points, and that. we wrap wrap things up for the First podcast of 2022 Coast to Coast Supes, the Saturday edition. A big thanks to Clint Domek over there in the great state of Louisiana with 1037 the game for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Supes, you're up to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and Tunein. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, got one of two ways to be out for those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Yaren one Keep in mind letters, there's they mean does not matter, Size, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way, buying an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five serves, it is very much Appreciate it. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the college basketball season, which means coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.